get your motor running. Mm-hmm. Head out okay. on the highway. All right. Looking for adventure in the desert Ooh. buttes, the Ozarks, and the Rocky Mountain forests. Ooh. This is the story of two men, brothers from different mothers, on a journey to document that which has never been documented before. The excruciating detail of the film careers of each <laughs> cast member of the TV show Home Improvement, even when that journey asks them to risk life and limb. Face to face with our greatest challenges and our greatest fears, spiders, crocodiles, moose, and yes, even bears. So, so many bears. Huge number of bears, more than we expected. <laughs> but we refuse to die. We won't give them that satisfaction. This is our story. The story of how we survived. Wild America. That's a hawk or an eagle or something that I will mute out in editing. Welcome to a bonus episode of Grunt Work, the only podcast about the movie Wild America that checks the gate before we roll. I am your host, Lane Solano, joined always by my companion into the wilderness, Truman Caps. Truman, it's good to see you. Landon, it's it's good to see you too. Uh, immediately, two things. First, I had a friend who listened to one of our episodes recently say, "Oh, are you and Landon recording in person again?" Because he said it's good to see you, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, John, oh, you, you sweet summer child." Uh, <laughs> secondly, um, I'm I'm just I'm so glad that you brought me along on this. I know you were upset when you started podcasting and then you heard a noise from the back seat, and it turns out that I had stowed away in our podcasting studio because I was too young and our, our parents wouldn't <laughs> let us come along to podcast, but That's I insisted. True. You didn't get your parents' permission, but uh, you know what? You know, uh, there's nothing that warms my heart more than a rule breaker, so um, uh, you know, I was happy to have you along. Well, that, that's good. I'm glad. I just, I, I hope that you won't punish me by making me sit and listen to you read scary stories about podcasting disasters. <laughs> <laughs> this and, th- 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 welcome to two people who watched the same shitty movie, finally swapping the in-jokes that they've had about this movie after waiting so long. We, oh man, Truman, okay, we, we've got some things to discuss in our personal reflections but let's just cover some basics first we watched yes. wild america the jtt starring wild america uh film uh that was released in july 2nd of 1997 so this is right smack in the middle of uh the break between season six and seven of home improvement mm. directed by william deer i don't know if you did any research on him i did do research on him and then i promptly oh, forgot the research uh oh, but no okay. he had made uh, oh yes, he made uh, Northville Cemetery Massacre, of course, one of your uh, one of your favorites. <laughs> Actually, I've never heard of it, but he wrote the story for the Rocketeer. Oh, I did. Okay, well, I didn't realize that. That's um, you know, I can kind of see it. The man has a taste for adventure, and the Rocketeer is an adventurous movie, kind of kind of rip snorting hog wild adventure. Indeed, and it was written by David Michael uh, Weiger, or maybe Viger, um, who, this is basically his only thing. He did one other one other project, but it was um, not even, it was like a documentary, uh, and I think it was a short subject. So this is, this is his only claim to fame. Uh, I want to get into some personal reflections, because you've already alluded to uh, some, I think, spicy takes that we're going to have. Um, but before we do that, I want to give I want to give our listeners a life raft, a a life preserver through this uh, presumably long episode that we're about to do yes. on the movie Wild America. Can you tell them generally what it's about? Yes, I can tell them generally what it's about. Mark and Will Marty. You? St- 
Sorry. Well, I was I was going to no no you this were. is no this is what happens out here in wild America is one person starts <laughs> trying to do a synopsis and the other person says something. Folks, we're we're out in the wilderness. Anything could go wrong. Uh, that's actually that would go in the horrible podcasting disasters book that you're going to scare <laughs> me with. Mark and Marty Stouffer are a pair of rambunctious Marty. brothers. <laughs> Damn it, I feel really bad that I didn't catch that. Farah put it up on the board. Mark and Marty Stouffer are a pair of rambunctious brothers living in rural Arkansas in the late 1960s who spend their days racing dune buggies, ogling college girls, and filming themselves terrorizing their youngest brother, Marshall, played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Woo! Woo! Desperate to make something of themselves, the brothers buy a camera and set out across the country to film wild animals and sell the footage for nature documentaries. Hijinks ensue. <laughs> hey, you pulled you pull to me. I mean, t- look, I challenge you, Landon. Find uh-huh. the lie. Find the error in that synopsis. <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I cannot do it, and I will not do it. Um, okay, let's bring up the first point here. Uh, yes. You have alluded to this being uh, a bad movie, or... And okay, listen. Uh, let's let's delineate here. There's okay. a difference between a bad movie and um, you know uh, an enjoyable movie because bad yeah. movies can be enjoyable. Oh, certainly, certainly. How did you feel about this movie? Were you uh, and what was your experience? Did you see this before? Uh, yeah, tell me tell me what's going on here. Okay, okay. So I saw I I did not see this movie as a child. This was my first viewing mm-hmm. of the movie. Likewise. I think yes, I believe so. Uh, but I did see trailers for it a lot when it came out, and so it was I, I all over the place. Yes, agreed. And Born to be wild in every one of those trailers. Jonathan Taylor Thomas riding around on a moose's horns, uh, <laughs> all, and and at the same time, and again, and I've I've alluded to this in previous episodes, and we'll probably talk about it more. I think the bi- my biggest impression of this movie is that it's about Jonathan Taylor Thomas who befriends a girl who has a weird relationship with a bunch of geese, and she makes a plane to fly with the geese on their migratory pattern. I thought that Wild America and Fly Away Home were the same movie. Turns out they're not, but this movie, as I discovered watching it, it's fucking entrapment because it really leans hard. It, it really wants you to believe that it is that. So I mean, that was to the, the point of, that he's flying in the air with a, a bird. With a bird. At one point. Yeah. He ha- and he's friends with a bird. It's it, <laughs> What was it about the late 90s and kids having friendships with birds and flying planes maybe a little earlier than they're ready to? I'm, I'm sorry. I, that's this is <laughs> we will discuss that in its time. So this is my first viewing of the film. That's yeah. that's my my answer for it. Was there was it a deeper question? I got kind of lost in my. Yeah, in how my did you feel about there. it? I mean, what how was your reaction to it? You know, look, this movie is a better movie than Jungle to Jungle, so <laughs> I'll say that. It is a uh-huh. worse movie than The Seventh Seal. Um, I, I think <laughs> that's, that's a, that, a, a wide chasm there. <laughs> you either die The Seventh Seal or you live long enough to see yourself become Jungle to Jungle. Those are the only two fates <laughs> awaiting a movie. This movie felt to me, in the same way that uh, Jungle to Jungle felt to me very much like uh, a movie that was just a product of the studio system being like, hey, let's just let's just take this existing script and have a couple writers fill it with Tim Allen jokes and call it good. This movie feels very much like a movie that was really made in the editing room. Like, I can feel just the benevolent oh, hand or the malevolent 100%. hand. This yeah, like, was 100%. Well, it had to have been shot as a PG-13 movie. There's no way it wasn't. Um, yeah. And I could absolutely feel the moments that they cut out to make it a PG film once they realized the power of JTT's rising star. 
That's the power of JTT's Rising Star. Not not as popular Huey Lewis song. Um, I could feel, yeah, you know, I could feel it in those moments. I could feel it wow. in the things that were missing, and I yes. could feel it in the things that were added. A lot yes. of, like, I could feel, like, you could just, you can see the beads of sweat forming on the director and editor's brows <laughs> as the as the studio keeps sending them notes saying, like, we really need this movie to be an hour and 45 minutes long. And they're like, guys, we have maybe 68 minutes worth of, of movie here. What are we going to add? I don't know. Another shot of the truck driving past a mountain. Another shot of the boys all singing along with the radio. I don't know. Can we have them do it twice? How do we get more minutes in this movie? It, yeah, it, it was, it, feel, it felt like a master class in test audiences reacting to things and second unit yeah. crews shooting things and then being spliced into the movie. I I could feel that as well for sure. Yes. Um but what I mean what were your what were your thoughts? What did you what were your beliefs about this movie? Okay. Um Oh shit, guys, buckle in. <laughs> when Landon says okay and pauses, you know that that a take is coming that can melt steel beams. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, there we have to get one thing out the gate. Uh, there are big portions of this movie I can't watch. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was texting. The whole premise of this film is that it's three brothers going out into the wilderness to find a cave full of bears. And that cave is called the Cave of a Thousand Sleeping Bears. <laughs> it's so overtly someone, not good for you. <laughs> someone with ursophobia does not do well with this. <laughs> I when I was watching the movie, I think Landon watched it first, and as I was watching it, I was just texting him apologies as I realized <laughs> how bear oriented this movie was. You know, it's it's bears specifically, but it extends to literally everything in this movie. Like crocodiles and alligators scare the shit out of me. It's any animal that is predatory and bigger than me scares mm-hmm. me and not even yeah. predatory i have a terrifying debilitating fear of whales i will never go whale watching i will never be on the open seas with the thought that a blue whale something that can d- just engulf the entire boat i'm on in one gulp without even thinking about it is just it scares me to my core i cannot feel Picture, you know, I mentioned last week when we were talking about Jungle to Jungle that I fainted during The Revenant. (laughs) (laughs) Again, like The Revenant leaned more heavily into bear stuff in its marketing than Wild America did. I mean, I I I respect you for facing your fears and wanting to see the Leonardo DiCaprio performance that totally, totally deserved an Oscar because it was so good. Um, But I mean, I I don't know. In that that case, you you went in prepared and even then you fainted. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. um, Okay, so I'm sorry, I I have to... Clarify yeah. one other thing, though. So you're saying okay. you will watch Saw or you will watch whatever yeah. Dario Argento fucked yes. up Italian horror movie getting stabbed in the eye, whatever. The movie Whale Rider, the uh, poignant character oh, study about a Maori girl who has a connection with whales uh, yes. and and swims out into the ocean and rides a whale in the climactic <laughs> scene. Spoiler alert for Whale Rider. That is too uh-huh. much for you. You can't go there. It scared me. I'm not gonna lie. I saw Whale Rider and uh, beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. It's a, it is a beautiful movie that is also terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, hey, look. I'm. You know, we've 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 laid out ground rules. <laughs> then, look. I thought this movie was built in a lab to uh, include every single thing you're scared of. They don't go whale watching in this movie. So it, no, you've they got don't. that. There are no nautical um, scenes. Okay, but I, I was just giving that as a primer. Like that's yeah. just where I, you know, came to the movie at. And I'll say. I came out of this movie, save for a few parts that 
you know, we'll get into. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of liked it. I, I, wow. had a, I had a good time with this movie. I mean, listen, as you said, it's not comparable to Seventh Seal. I know what I'm getting when I'm, you know, sure. putting in a. In fact, I thought this was a Disney movie. Um, I, I was surprised. I went on to Disney Plus and thought, okay, I'm going to watch this on Disney Plus. And oh, then yeah. realized, oh, it's not there. And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, this isn't a Disney movie. And that kind of like shifted my perceptions of it a little bit. So mm. um, it just it, wasn't what I was expecting. And it, I was pleasantly surprised with what I got. Yeah. Yeah. I, there were definitely, like watching it, there were definitely a lot of moments where I was like, uh, the, you know, this scene is constructed well, or like watching this, like, okay, I mean, the action scenes are well put together. There's clearly a lot of production value to it. The movie looks good, and it is very much, mm. I mean, the, this is the... Dra- I, think, okay. I think it's even acted, you know, fairly decently for, yeah. for what it is, yeah. I would agree, I would agree. I And I see that the that uh, William Deere, right before this, directed Angels in the Outfield, and <laughs> that yes. kind of... A, a movie that I always get mixed up with Field of Dreams, just just FYI, also, I, I kind of <laughs> think they're both the same movie. He's very good at directing movies that I think are other movies. But it, that same kind of, like, it has a certain sentimental 90s gloss to it yeah. that a certain kind yeah. of movie had. And I was able to get lost in that from time to time. Some of the family scenes, I was like, okay, this movie is is working. The mm-hmm. whole does not work, but a lot of the parts do. Well, okay, so um, I guess we'll get into this a little bit more in the deep dive, but, like, what there's a, there's a like legitimate movie that's being set up in the yes. first 30 minutes, maybe even 45 minutes of this movie. Yes. The first half of this is, like, you know, a, a real family story about brothers chasing their dreams. It's based on the true story of the Stouffer brothers who went on to be, you know, big nature documentarians. I mean, and, and, they, and they made that that great uh, frozen mac and cheese also. I mean, it's amazing <laughs> that they branched out like that. Um, I like I used to like the French bread pizza. Uh, from oh, Stouffer's, but we still do. <laughs> um, so it's it. it uh, yeah, it started out. You know, like, okay, I know what this is. This is a very familiar territory. Uh, You know, let's get to the trailer moments. And then the action happens, and it goes in such a wild, different direction where... Well, it's right there in the title, Landon. It is. Wild America. I I mean, I should have seen it coming. But, like, they they put so many unexpected twists and turns into each of the action sequences in this movie that like my head was spinning and I cannot wait to get into them. I don't want to spoil it here, but like, um, you know, it also, I think what, where it falters is where it does get into a little bit of the tropey stuff. Like any Mm. movie that's taking place in the wilderness is going to have a stampede. Yeah. It's going to have a character falling into the water to his peril and Mm -hmm. being saved by a log at the last minute. Um, and at the risk of going into our uh, popular nights topic of our tropes, there is one that I want to bring up here that is just so. I think it might be the the biggest uh, overuse of something in all of cinema. Oh my and god! You, you you already mentioned it earlier in the episode. That fucking eagle noise. Yeah. The eagle, that that one eagle hit on the <laughs> the you know sound effect is used. In every fucking film, when you know someone says, "Oh, they went out into the wilderness," <laughs> uh, or you know, just some sort of like, 
you know, I think it, they use it in like Poltergeist too when they're talking about like the uh, Native American spirits and and you know that's underneath the ground and like just somewhere in the distance of the the soundtrack you just hear a. I, they use it, it, it like it alludes to this kind of spiritual nature sort of thing that's. I know it's just used so much. They, they use it in Wet Hot American Summer when Christopher Maloney is training Michael mm-hmm. Showalter how to be a cool dude. When the training montage starts and the music kicks in, we hear. Like any <laughs> comedy, drama, uh, movie set in the wilderness, movie set at a summer camp in Maine, it, it all, <laughs> there's always room for an eagle sound, I guess, so it's, long as your movie's set in America. It has to be the sound that's used, the only sound used more than the Wilhelm scream. Yeah, and I feel like it's the same sound every time. Either all eagles <laughs> sound alike, sorry if I'm being racist, uh, either all eagles <laughs> sound alike or we only the Stouffer's only recorded one eagle noise and that's the only one that anyone has ever gotten. <laughs> uh, okay, just a few other things I want to touch on here. Yeah. Um, some of the, the action sequences that I was alluding to, uh, they, like, they're up there with like some of the best, worst, uh, survival horror movies. <laughs> like, there are moments in this that are, like, reminded me of, like, Lake Placid or uh, some of William Girder's movies, like Grizzly or Day of the Animals, um, where I just expected, by the way that they were filming it and, and constructing the, you know, suspense of the scene, that I'm like, oh, this is going to go bad. I've seen this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I want to mention, okay, so there's a there's an alligator scene that we'll get to, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, one of the reasons why I am terrified of alligators is um, there's this video. <laughs> which Landon <laughs> sent me, which I woke up to this morning. <laughs> of an alligator crossing a golf course. Uh, I think it's like a 15-foot gator. I mean, it looks like a dinosaur walking across land. <laughs> it, it, it's, is it's, a- <laughs> it is like that scene in Jurassic Park. Like, Landon and I are sitting in the Jeep <laughs> freaking out looking at this thing. And, yeah, it, it's it's pretty – it's it's a very large it's, gator. It's real. Uh, it's It was so – what I sent you was uh, from ABC News. Mm. That gator is on the golf course that I play with on my dad uh, when I go down to Florida uh, and play with my dad. Oh, uh. So I'm like I'm in have been in proximity of that thing, uh, and it it kills me to the bone. I, I every time I'm out there on that course, I can't help but like sweat, thinking okay. that that thing could come out of the bushes at any moment. Well, well, okay. I mean, first, are you sweating because you're scared, or are you sweating because you're in Florida? B both. <laughs> uh, uh, the the beauty uh, look, and I'm not trying to diminish your fear because that shit's scary as hell, and I would not. I, I you know what? Just based on having seen that video of that alligator on that golf course, I am never going to go to a single golf course for as long as I live, <laughs> lest I Good. see that alligator. But right. the beauty of it, though, that thing's not going to sneak up on you. It's not like it's going to hide. Like you'll know. You'll <laughs> it, like. I mean, it doesn't make it any less scary, but at least you don't have to worry about, like, oh, no, I, oh, what's this I stepped on? Oh, no, it's the 15-foot alligator. Like, you'll see that shit from yeah. space. Um, yeah, no, this, I wasn't expecting this movie to have gators in it. It's because yeah. it's mostly, like, a Rocky Mountains movie, but just with, like, one little, uh, like, side quest into the bayou. It's very <laughs> odd. Uh, and I have one more point. Uh, the, just an observation I made uh, looking back at, um, all of the JTT movies that we've done so far. Uh, there's this one. We did Tom and Huck. We did uh, Man of the House. Mm-hmm. I want to know what your thoughts are. Why do you think producers, writers, filmmakers want to see JTT in a cave? 
I don't know. What is what is that? Like, is it maybe maybe there's maybe some of the people making these movies were kids when the Flintstones was big and they're like, oh, people like cavemen. <laughs> JTT's a big star. Uh, maybe maybe we, you know, lightning can strike twice. I think that maybe America was just more into cave-based adventures in the 90s, honestly. <laughs> I mean, that it's just it seems like I feel like I watched a lot of children's TV where like oh the adventure this week is they get lost in a cave or or yeah. you know or the oh there's some legend of a haunted cave like maybe that was just a cheap thing to film <laughs> that nonetheless easy an easy set yeah, yeah. There's like the bronson caves other yeah. places that are just easy to to transform into a, a cave i'll also say that caves you know uh I, I i don't do well with those either uh i have claustrophobia <laughs> i've i've had uh moments um, there's this big place in, in Tennessee, this big, uh, tourist attraction that I had a massive panic attack going through. Oh no. Um, it was, yeah, it's not good. So there are a lot of things, especially in one particular scene in this movie that play on a lot of different fears of mine. Uh, <laughs> and it was difficult to get through. And yet, and yet after all of that, you come out of it saying, I kind of liked this movie. I kind of like this movie. Yeah. Welcome to the most inspirational grunt work episode of all time. It's, <laughs> it's an episode about Landon facing his fears. Um, oh, dear God. Okay. Uh, we should probably start, but I, I can I just read a couple excerpts from uh, reviews of Wild America oh, yeah, before please. we get going? All I right. love it. Uh, this is from Stephen Hunter of the Washington Post. Okay. If your idea of a good time is to watch Jonathan Taylor Thomas being carried through the woods in the antlers of a fake moose, obviously mounted to a pickup truck just out of camera range, then boy, oh boy, will you like Wild America. <laughs> uh, Stephen, I hear your sarcasm, uh, <laughs> and I say check it at the door because that is what I want to see, but not for the reason you think I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, for for a broader research project that has taken over our lives. <laughs> uh, the movie, ostensibly a chronicle of nature, has no patience at all for the processes of nature. It's cut like a music video with stuff just happening really fast. True. Uh, this one from, uh, I believe, Russell Smith of the Austin Chronicle. Um, okay. The second feature by William Deere of Angels in the Outfield has its flaws, but as an example of adolescent male fantasies writ large, it approaches brilliance. I mean, I had a good time. I thought I, you know, I thought it was a, a just a, a fine movie. Brilliance? I don't know about that, but it's, uh, it's brilliance isn't what attracts me to it. Let's put it that way. Yes. Uh, downtime is spent frolicking with nubile hippie girls and reading ghastly animal attack stories around the campfire. For young guy viewers who revere this holy trinity of speed, chaos, and danger, these doughty lads will register as instant soulmates. Um, makes it sound like fucking wild angels or or easy rider or something. (laughs) Well, this is kind, this is kind of like, like easy rider kids. This is like easy rider (laughs) junior in a way. Nick uh, Jr. does Easy Rider. Just, yes. you know, a lot less cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Face is uh, is in it, the Nick Jr. presenter. <laughs> uh, lastly, objections aside, though, Wild America is a high-spirited, wholesome, raucously humorous journey to young dude heaven. Highly recommend for the Sega Genesis jocks in your household. Booyah. Well, I mean, he certainly pinpointed an audience, and I wouldn't argue with uh, with that. Yeah, yeah, no, he 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 correctly assessed who this movie is for. Okay. Uh, do we want to, uh, I don't know, get carried by a moose into the creek of this movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, the creek called the Deep Dive. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, 
we start with uh, some opening credits. This is uh, through Regency Pictures. Again, that's when I'm like, oh, this isn't Disney. This is Regency. Although they do have very similar, uh, you know, color schemes for their opening logos. But I will say my my very first note was Morgan Creek produ- production company logo slaps. I am jazzed to watch a fucking <laughs> movie. I think I I'll tell you is very nineties. It's it the that those two logos Regency and Morgan Creek together only remind me of Ace Ventura. So mm. like that's where I'm like, oh okay, I, I'm in for something different than Disney. <laughs> you 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 rubbed your hands together and said, "All righty then." Um, so so yeah, so we start out with a boy running through the running forest through the forest of uh, Arkansas. We get a uh, a title crawl. It says uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, 1967. Yep, Vietnam is gearing up. Lyndon Johnson uh, and his, uh, I guess his first full term as president. I'm not going to do this bit. Uh, yeah, so he's running <laughs> through the woods. Voiceover from Jonathan Taylor Thomas about how he's yes. always being chased. Something's I've, always I've, after him. Yeah, I've got this here because uh, I think this is important to set the tone yeah. of the movie. Uh, so JTT's voice comes up over his uh, shots of running, and we don't know what he's running from. So he says, no matter how fast I ran or, or how far I or, – no matter f- how fast I ran or how far, I never got away. But I didn't die. I wouldn't give them the pleasure. Sure, there are two sides to every story, but not this one. This is my story. The story of how I survived my big brothers. And it just, like, the I could see the action description on the script page with the, the narration. And that filmmaker's read this and just like that's gold that is just mm-hmm. that is blacklist material i am going to this is what how you get your script produced yeah yeah the, oh, the the guy who wrote this movie was doing doing screenplay seminars for you know 250 bucks a pop <laughs> and just showing this on an overhead projector and pointing to it and going like money in the <laughs> bank everybody uh but jtt is captured by his brothers who put him into a chair and hoist him up uh, on a pole over a pool and they're about to Cut him loose into the pool uh, while they film it. I don't quite understand. I like they're okay. So as we learn in a, in a few scenes here, like they're big on filming stunts, right? Uh, they, like, they are they are jackass before jackass. They they invented <laughs> jackass. But I don't even understand what what the stunt is. Like just dropping him into a pool. Like that doesn't even seem like it would be decent uh, <laughs> decent you know footage to get. And then. Devin Sawa, who plays uh, the middle brother named Mark. God um, bless you for even keeping them separate. For me, it was just like one brother does this, JTT does this. I could (laughs) all of their names start with an M, and one of them is named Mark, which is the name of another home improvement boy. Yeah, okay, let's let's get into that in one second. But the 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 stunt that they're doing that they're filming is they drop JTT from a tall height into a pool. Uh, filming him the entire time, then Mark drops firecrackers into the pool uh, that they explode next to JTT's head. So, like, like what the hell? Um, okay, let's get into the brother thing. It's weird, right? Three brothers. JTT is playing the youngest at this point. He's basically <laughs> playing the Mark character, even though yeah. there is another character named Mark. So confusing. And the older brother is named Marty. So... <laughs> There's unignorable connections to home improvement here. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's blunted somewhat by the fact that this is based on a true story, heavy scare yeah, quotes, right. uh, and these are all supposedly real people. 
I so with this these first scenes like and mind you they have tied their brother to a metal chair dropped it into a deep cattle trough so he sinks down and is like having to hold his breath while he tries to get himself untied from the chair while things explode around him and his brothers film this yeah this was I don't know watching this I was like uh, I don't know uh, watching um, your movie starting with a sensitive young boy being relentlessly preyed upon and tortured by his brothers. I'm watching this thinking like, how's Landon doing with this? Because I'm kind of triggered by this. Like me as an only child, this is my, this is my hell. This is my thought of what having siblings must be like is just being just constant torture. Just yeah, and, and yeah. you never a moment's peace. And um, well, yeah, it is. Uh, I'm not going to get into my my whole backstory, but uh, I have had familial experiences like this. Um, not with brothers, obviously, since I'm an only child. And it is. It's it's torturous and traumatizing. But I want to parlay this into something that plays throughout this movie that is weird to me. So we we cut from this whole ordeal. They get the footage, and uh, JTT gets up, and and you know he's just sopping wet, and goes. Yeah. Uh, inside, and his mom gives him some dry clothes, and we we see the mom for the first time. Who, side note, is Francis Fisher, who was cast as the original Jill before uh, they oh. put uh, Patricia Richardson in there. I, let, let me tell you, when I first saw the mom, I was so stoked i was absolutely overjoyed that susan sarandon was in this movie and then 20 <laughs> minutes later when i looked on imdb i was absolutely devastated to find out that susan sarandon was not in this movie <laughs> that's a, that's another trip to truman's but, not being able to recognize actor's corner but there is a very surprise actor who is not listed in the credits oh who we boy will get to in the middle of this movie based Let's on a true story <laughs> yes <laughs> Uh, but he goes inside. Okay, so this is the point I'm getting to: is that yes, it's all traumatizing. But they try to they try to set up this aspect of JTT's character, whose name is Marshall. Um, also, we'll another weird JTT. connection: Devin Sawa is famously known for playing Marshall Mathers in the Eminem <laughs> video for Stan. Weird, weird connections. But why, why, why? This is the nexus of all M named <laughs> boys in '90s culture. Is Wild America. <laughs> um, but JTT like tries to get back at his brothers, and it's not really drawn that much attention to. Like, so his way of getting back is he's rubbing their toothbrushes on the toilet bowl and putting them back into their cups. The inside, and, underneath the rim, a real nasty yeah. spot. And so, but it, it's like it's something if you looked away or if your mind wandered for just a second, you would miss. Mm -hmm. And. It's a thread that they try to weave throughout this whole movie of these, because there's another moment that he tries to get back at them that is yeah. also like they don't draw much attention to it. So it, it, it's a, a weird trying to character build that way without really like making a point of it. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's more like weird America, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> but that is, I think that is evidence of the multiple movies that are in this movie. There's one that can yes. kind of be like a a family story about brothers that can have these kind of underplayed moments. But then those underplayed moments are overshadowed by the movie where you're riding around on a moose. Uh, <laughs> there's a really big movie with big stuff, and then there's also yeah. a really small, thoughtful movie. And the big movie often tramples the small movie. Oh, boy. All right, oh let's boy. get to know some of these characters, okay? Yes, uh, yes, we, let's. We talked about Mom a little bit. That's Frances Fisher. Uh, she loves animals. Uh, yep. They're always um, trying to, to help uh, heal injured animals. So inside the house, there's rabbits, there's raccoons. Owls. Uh, JTT has a pet owl who is uh, being nursed back to health. 
Um, let's let's make a note of that because this owl it plays a spiritual part of this movie that like really highlights how dead the soul of the movie is. Uh, yes, because yeah. it it it's supposed to at the end of this movie have a real big like emotional moment and it just falls so flat uh, yeah yeah this it, r- take notes uh, on this owl because we're not going to see the owl for about 45 minutes of movie <laughs> and then we're going to have to care very much about the owl well i mean we do get we get hints of the owl but again it's just it's so these little notes that they think are important are not given the the moments that they need and we'll get into it as we continue here but let's continue to meeting the brothers there's marty the eldest brother yep. um who marty. is played by uh i think uh, is it scott scott barstow uh yes. Barstow, who's a big television actor barstow uh, mm, you motherfucker uh, <laughs> the he is uh big into hemingway he loves yes. hemingway um has a poster of hemingway as a hunter on his wall it seems a little strange. He's reading Hem- Hemingway. Um, then there's the middle child, Mark, played by Devin Sawa. Uh, Idle Hands fame, if you know Devin Sawa or Final Destination. Um, I, I know neither, but I know the name Devin Sawa. Mark is into Mark. Uh, yep. They play him up as kind of a vain character, a uh, romantic at heart. And then, of course, then there's me, Marshall. I was a dreamer. <sighs> and this sets up okay so here's here's my main problem with the movie okay and it's it's built into this moment yes uh me this is my story and it's about me i'm a dreamer but the movie isn't about marshall being a dreamer <laughs> the no, movie it's... is about <laughs> about marty wanting to become and marty's dream of becoming a nature photographer it, so this it's... movie is just told from the wrong perspective I, yes, completely agree. He's a he he calls himself a dreamer, but really he's more of just a bystander. Like he just kind he of is. follows them around. Like he's in a sense he is like the he is recording them as they are recording nature. Like he is just there he's to witness a supporting what they're doing. character in his own life. Yes. Oh, oof. That's brutal. That's really brutal. <laughs> Um, okay, so then outside, uh, as he continues, the voiceover continues, and we learn more about their lives and the form, farm that they live on. Uh, we meet Leon. The Leon is kind of the farmhand. He helps his dad with uh, uh, what we'll get to in a minute. There's a he, big um, tractor company um, or mechanic company that his dad runs uh, to to run everything, and Leon is the the farmhand that helps out. Yes, Leon, who I call Kroger brand Forrest Gump. He's kind of like. <laughs> He's a he's a friend of of his dad's from the Air Force, and he came home yep. with him after his dad was done in the Air Force, and he's just sort of around. And it's not it, it's not explicitly said that he is uh, has limited cognitive abilities, but he they want you to kind of think that he just kind of has like <laughs> corn pone wisdom, and he's a yep. quirky dude. Yeah, uh, Leon is played by Tracy Walter, who is probably best known as Jack Nicholson's best friend. And appears, you know, as a secondhand man to Nicholson in many movies. Most famously, I think, as Bob the Goon in uh, Batman. Oh, okay, okay. So the 90s were an eventful decade for him. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but outside, he start, uh JTT's talking to, to Leon um, as he brings his tractor in. And they start looking at cloud shapes and... Uh, discussing i don't think that one's a turtle i think that one looks like a goose getting strangled or whatever Ugh. fucking ah. thing that's just a kroger brand ed gain over here okay <laughs> i uh, guess this doesn't take place in wisconsin uh, yeah but it seems no. like it could that would be wild uh <laughs> but so they're 
yeah, and so I, I guess at some point this leads us to, I mean, the other the, the other major character in the movie, which is the airplane in the garage. Do we want to get to that, or do you want to talk about Dad yep. first? Nope, we're right there, because the, the whole cloud setup is about JTT getting in his voiceover about wanting to fly planes. That's his dream. He wants to be a pilot. He wants to be up there in those clouds. He wants to see the shapes up close and personal. Because uh, his dad was a pilot, I guess, back in the day, and now is a... Well, it's it's they're very tricky well, about this. They as are. It, as it comes into the end here, because he says that Leon uh, and his dad were in the army together, and that, uh, as far as JTT knows, Leon used to fix up the planes, and then his dad would take them up and test them out. Yes. And, and based on that, uh, or, I don't know, I guess evidence for that is the fact that his dad and Leon have an old plane in the garage that they're restoring, and my okay, note Tim. is just, <laughs> God damn it, this is just home improvement with planes. Like, JTT is typecast as a kid <laughs> who restores machinery from the 1950s in a garage with his dad. I mean, that's all it is. I almost feel like they... Because, listen, folks, spoiler alert, the plane thing is part of another movie. It's one of the three or four different movies jockeying for space in this movie. The plane is not yeah. a super relevant thing for most of the film. But it I feel like... Yeah, it, it's, it becomes the like pivotal point at the end of this movie, and it's like, but that's not the movie we've been watching. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I really think that they wrote this in because it's like, oh, we, got, we signed JTT for the movie. Well, on Home Improvement, he helps his dad restore a hot rod in the garage. Maybe his dad is restoring a thing. I don't know. Maybe that can add another half hour to this to this movie. Um, it's like they tacked on the ending of the movie Planes to the movie Brave. <laughs> it really is. It really. It's like if really just p- pick any movie. And like if at the end of Twelve Angry Men they acquit the guy. Spoiler alert. And then it's like, but there's half an hour left, and it's like, well, gotta go fly a plane to prove something to my family. <laughs> All right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. If at the end Um, of the seventh seal, death is like, okay, well, I've got your soul. Got to go fly a plane to prove something to my family. (laughs) JT, the problem, listen, this is what JTT has to overcome in order to reach his dream of being a pilot. He's too short. His legs don't hit the pedals. Yeah. Just just wait a few years, kid, because I don't think planes run on pedals in the future. (laughs) Uh so his legs are too short as he's, you know, kind of living out his little kid fantasy in this. And by his little kid, I mean, he's like 13 here. So, yeah, the 13, uh, but playing down to like 11, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, bunch of kids come in um, hooting and hollering. It's uh, Marty, uh, Mark and their friends, uh, including some some ladies. Ooh. And uh, we are introduced to D.C., Yes, the local, they're kind of like frenemy of the boys, the local 'er ne'er-do-well who, but I guess because there's like seven teenagers in town, they hang out with them anyway. The (laughs) JTT introduces him as, uh, he liked anything where there's a good chance where people could get hurt. Um, Red flag friend there. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, yes, red flag, but again, you're saying this when your brothers tied you to a chair and, like, nearly drowned you while throwing firecrackers at you, so I don't know how you're delineating yeah. this guy from the general psychosis of the other Fair men point. in your life. Uh, I just want to mention, DC is played by Zach Ward, uh, mm-hmm. who is most, well, I know him from Freddy vs. Jason, but oh. I think America knows him, the wild America knows him as <laughs> Scut Farkas. From A Christmas Story. Oh, shit. I thought he looked familiar. That's Scott Farkas? He's America's bully. Wait. So, okay. I'm sorry, but he was like, he was playing like, he was like 13 in A Christmas Story, which came out in like 1983. And in 1997, <laughs> yeah. he's still playing a teenager. 
oh man, movies lied Welcome to, to us. Welcome to the 90s. Dude. Have oh. you seen any slasher movie that came out between 96 and 99? Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a real Dear Evan Hansen situation, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, but they've all gathered here with all yeah. of the local teens to watch the movie that they're their brothers have cut together <laughs> the raw footage of the the first jackass uh yeah <laughs> pilot yeah because so it, it's just it's just all different like you know it, it's all like super eight camera with no uh with no sound but it's all just uh just different clips cut together of the different like stunts and pranks and stuff that they pulled and well, jtt is stunts and pranks i i call them just uh different torture methods for JTT because he's uh, the only one who's featured in the footage. I mean, uh, they have him wearing pads and then setting off rockets under his feet to l- send him flying in the air. It's, it's, these are, look, this is not torture. It's enhanced interrogation techniques. It's keeping America safe. I had a bunch of justice department lawyers write a memo explaining that this is all totally a okay and constitutional. The thing is <laughs> like it, it, he, he, this, there is so much Stockholm syndrome here because he's talking about like he's he's watching this hidden in the plane, watching them watch it and saying, Oh, yeah, they right. always got the biggest laughs when they blew me up and like he feels some sort of pride about this. But also he says that it's not like, hey, this is this week's movie. Like JTT explains, they watch the same movie over and over again. These kids are yeah. just addicted to coming and watching the same footage <laughs> of this child being brutalized over and over. It's like the two minutes hate or something in 1984. And so there, there's all that swirling around. And then also one of his brothers is making out with a girl like two feet yeah, away Mark. from the plane. And yeah, and JTT is peering out of the plane watching it. Like there's a lot of... A conflicting adolescent there wasn't the internet there wasn't uh <laughs> wasn't easy access to playboys like you had to get your kicks off somewhere yeah you had you had to get you had to watch a, a dude sloppily making out with a girl somewhere and if that was your brother well so be it people were <laughs> tough back then then we cut to and I, this brings back the point i was making just a little while ago so like we we just get a lot of exposition dumped on us for uh, you know understanding these characters at once and then it cuts to a scene of um the boys getting ready for bed and they're all brushing their teeth and getting ready for sleep and that's it right um yep. but we forget because why would we remember because it wasn't made that huge of a point because <laughs> it was padding between two other scenes earlier they're brushing their teeth with the toothbrushes that they were in the toilet. And, and it's and like barely made a, a point here. It's just like there you see them doing it and then the camera moves down to JTT kind of smiling and it's a little treat for people who have been watching very closely and taking notes on the movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, or maybe maybe it feels like it's it's diminished for me because they do a hard cut from that. <laughs> to a snarling bear on the front of a magazine. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, sorry. The, the first little like, preview. Give me a warning. Give me a warning, guys. <laughs> oh, I need God. a little countdown in the, the corner of the screen that goes bear in five, four, three, two. <laughs> put put on your anti bear goggles now. Um, the it. goggles are just blacked out. Yeah. So they read <laughs> in one of these nature magazines about the fabled cave of a thousand bears. Where all oh, the bears go off. to hibernate. Yeah, no I, I, yeah. The 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 MacGuffin of Landon's nightmare, as they call it. <laughs> uh, and this is then interrupted, though, by the arrival of their father, and <laughs> who comes home driving his his big long haul truck. And folks, listen. I was overjoyed when I found out Susan Sarandon was in the movie, and then crestfallen when I found out she wasn't. But when the dad gets out of the truck, and I discovered. Yeah. 
that none other than California Governor Gavin Newsom plays the boy's father in this movie, I was overjoyed. I mean, I knew that the governor was ridiculously handsome. I didn't realize he actually was in movies in the 90s. Um, yeah, just just uh, shocking. They, he, I think he's, he's credited under a pseudonym here. It doesn't say Gavin Newsom played him, but I will, I will accept no other, no other identity for this person. He is played by Jamie Sheridan. Yes, Mr. Randall Flagg himself from the oh. Stan series. Oh, shit. Oh, no. And that so was Gavin Newsom all along. <laughs> I came off of... Because that's the thing that I saw him most recently in. So yeah. seeing him step into this movie, I'm like, oh, okay, he's going to start killing motherfuckers. <laughs> and he kind of has this menacing presence about he's him in this movie. very menacing. Like, I... Uh, it, it just made me nervous. Every time he was on the screen, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to turn into some sort of domestic abuse movie. I, and the movie the movie very much wants you to th- – well, A, it wants you to think, hey, the stuff that the brothers are doing to JTT, that's just normal. Boys being boys. And then, you know, their sort of pseudo-absentee father comes in and just, you know, asks his wife what's for dinner and tries to have sex with her. And she yeah, – but it, and they're also trying to present, present it as like, yeah, this guy's great. He rules. He slaps one of us on the head and <laughs> out of nowhere he slaps one of the brothers on the head and tells him to give his mom another drumstick. Like, this is a great way to raise boys. When dad was home, he had his own set of rules, including uh, down to who gets what piece of chicken. <laughs> and I'm, my note there was just, yikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, you know, and again, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to look at this movie and say, ah, this is why society's messed up. I'm just looking at it and being like, well, that's not, that's not, I mean, you're painting a picture of the character very effectively, but I'm, if, if the intention is for me to like this dude, I'm not getting there. I'm not romanticizing <laughs> this kind of casual uh, attitude of, of abuse I, and emotional distance from your sons. Here's, yeah. Here's the thing is that Jamie Sheridan is playing the character that I think is interesting, but the movie just doesn't have the room for, which is yes. this weird kind of like, this tension uh, that I think was more common, you know, of those previous generations of like, I'm not sure if my dad's going to hug me or slug me. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, you know, I think that's interesting and it brings a, a new dimension to it. But like, as I said, there's very little room for that sort of dimension in this movie. And it just creates this weird menace throughout the whole thing that I'm like, okay, he needs, I understand he needs to resolve something with his father by the end of this, but is this going to e- either be a scenario where, you know, his dad says no, or his dad says, get the fucking belt, I'm going to give you a lesson. And that was just a weird dynamic to have hanging over this thing. Yeah, I I think this is yet another casualty of the small movie being squished by the bigger movie, because I, <laughs> yes, I honestly, yes. I would have been totally happy to watch, a mo- to watch a movie about these three boys and their mom and their dad and just kind of slice a life, living on the farm working their business and just like a character study about this family. I'm kind of yeah. into that. Like I would have been interested in exploring the dimensions between these people. As soon as you put them out on the road though, it's like, okay, well I actually was sort of more invested in seeing how you guys like <laughs> interact with each other and your dad and what you make of yourselves. I'm not that interested in a bunch of different loosely connected nature based action scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm equally interested in both, but maybe not in the same movie, but um, let's get to a few points that they they quickly go over here. So um, dad's home, mom's making uh, food. Dad wants to make sure that this is, uh, uh, you know, um, not store bought stuff. He wants a fresh meal from being out on the road for so long, selling stuff. And his mom's delicately gets around saying, "Oh, wouldn't you like to know?" or something like that. And JTT oversees all of this. And then um, once his dad leaves, sees that his mom puts a store bought pie into a. 
<laughs> a pie pan uh, as if she made it herself. <laughs> And uh, she starts going on about um, the concept of a white lie, mm-hmm. which I don't want to spend time talking about it because it really seems like they don't give a shit here. But it comes into the end of this movie pretty significantly. So, um, you know, her mom's like, well, white lie is something you say when, uh, you know, to protect someone else's feelings when no one's going to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Yippity-doo. Yep. There's that. Okay. okay. Let's just earmark that. And then he yes. says, well, you know, now that dad's home, that means we can get down to business on the plane. You know, the tachometers and the magneto and the rudders, RRR and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, magneto, who uses his powers to lift the metal <laughs> fuselage of the plane and fling it through the air at Professor X. <laughs> Um, and so he's in the, you know, he's asking his dad and running through the checklist, uh, of all these things with him, you know, around the plane. Um, and then later at night, uh, <laughs> okay, this yeah. is a big scene. Am I skipping something? Oh, no, yeah. you're not, you're not skipping anything. This is just a really big scene. This is huge for this me. Is, and But it's, it's, a, it's a big scene that I feel like they try to do these echoes and callbacks, but they are not at all good about setting up what's important to remember. I, I agree. This plays out so later at night, JTT and his brothers are all in bed asleep, and they he goes through this voiceover narration that says, uh, "Whenever Dad was home, we often listen. Uh, we often awful often fell asleep listening to him singing, uh, singing by himself in the the hangar." And <laughs> his dad starts singing this folksy tune about the Mountain Dew on the. Uh, it's about know. a moonshiner, like kind of yeah. yeah, country western song. You and take this. You take it from here. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just this, the, like this movie. I must admit, I, I kind of went insane. I became the Joker during this movie, and this is the first <laughs> part in how it happened. It's the scene of his dad. You know, so they're, they're, they all fall asleep to the bucolic sound of their dad singing this old timey hillbilly song about a moonshiner in, you know, wandering around in, in the hangar. Presumably, presumably, he's drunk based on the way he's moving. Yeah, and it's the sort of poignant moment of him singing, and it's like the, the dad has been portrayed as this very you know strict unfeeling taskmaster but then it's like oh but it's it's showing this other side of him this this very stern man is kind of engaging a little bit of levity and like he likes to sing to himself and maybe he doesn't even know people can overhear him and so i'm i'm enjoying this scene and then as it ends the dad is singing you know he's sipping on his good old mountain dew and then he just farts he just like lifts a leg and (laughs) farts right at the end of the scene and to landon so he does that and i see that and i'm like that has to have been a studio note. That has to have been like an executive watched a cut of the movie and was like, okay, well, we're billing this as a comedy. There uh-huh. hasn't been a joke in a certain amount of time. Hey, you know what would be great? We've got this shot of him with his butt facing towards the camera from a distance. Why don't we ADR a fart in there? And then well, that way it'll be a comedy. He, I mean, I guess, but he, like he pantomimes farting. But maybe he's, but maybe that was a dance move. Like maybe they had just to take of the actor, like kind of capering a little bit and dancing. So uh, look, I we don't have to go into it more. We'll continue this saga of me becoming the Joker later on. But just that scene, I my impression coming out of it was like that was a really like that was a very poignant moment that I liked a lot that they then completely just destroyed with a fart, which I think is evidence of the, the, the many different competing movie. Like within all of us, there are two wolves and within the movie wild America, there are like five or six wolves. And I'm not even talking about the actual wolves that they film, but the different plots and types of movie that are fighting. And this is a clear cut case. I felt like of one movie 
fighting the other one in the editing room and them trying to take these this like kind of thoughtful little moment and turn it into <laughs> a punchline. Which, again, is something that plays very importantly to the end of this movie, uh, or at least a pivotal part in the climax of this movie. So, like, um, yeah, I, I, it's just, it's, it's so weird that it's like, you, it, you almost can't hold it in your memory as like, oh, that's going to come into play later. And there's no reason why you ever think it should. No. no. And honestly, there's no reason why it should at the end of this movie, but they do try it anyway. I um, Okay. So, okay, from that, you know, from that, the boys, we, I don't know how much detail we need to go into of the boys racing dune buggies. They've been challenged by bit. DC to race through the mud in these dune buggies. Yeah, right. Just I, I feel like just a few notes here. One, you know, they this is the first scene where they really start with, uh, you know, the trope of using period specific music to set oh the scene, particularly with sixties music, which I love the music. Um, yeah. I'm just like sick of the the Forrest Gump approach of like, oh, it's 1967. Let's get the biggest hits. How about Susie Q? Great, kick <laughs> it. Hey, hey, boomers! Remember when you were a teenager in this time and place? Doesn't <laughs> right. that make you feel good about this movie? <laughs> right. Uh, I and because it's there's this shot of they're they're at the dune buggy race and two you know college girls fabled college yeah. girls show up and are walking in slow motion out of their car while Susie Q plays so, and JTT just, is narrating the, and I said I just like my note is just this is dirtbag Goodfellas it's just like classic <laughs> rock people walking around in slow motion JTT talking about it that was a, a moment of editing that was just like that doesn't make any sense to me uh they are walking in slow motion and it just like it cuts back and forth a little too much between people in regular motion watching these girls walk in slow motion that it felt like it was almost a parody of itself like the like the someone should have commented on how slow they were walking at a certain point (laughs) that's what they that's what they learned in college was how to walk in slow motion they went to (laughs) reservoir dogs university Um, but one of the big ideas, okay, so, um, the Barstow, or the, uh, I'm sorry, Barstow, the the actor's name, not the, uh, not the, the, the Stouffers, they win Mm. this, uh, um, Marty and Mark win this, uh, race, this mud race, um, with their buggy, uh, against DC's truck, and DC's like, oh, that's bullshit, I know we're gonna do this again, but I, you need to add some weight to this thing, look at this, and he, like, deadlifts it off the ground, and he's like, like a hood or something, a detached hood. (laughs) Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna tie a rope to the back of that buggy to the front of this hood, and we're gonna make Marshall sit on top of it, and you're gonna drag him around the racetrack that way. And uh, they're like, "All right, fine, we're gonna do that. We can we can still whip you, whip your ass." And uh, <laughs> the college girls are are watching on, going, "This is the dumbest." Why did why did we come home? Why? Why, yeah, why, <laughs> why? Why did we why did we get all dressed up and pretty to drive to a small town in Arkansas and watch people race dune buggies in mud? Like, what did we expect we were going to get here? Was someone going to be discussing like Marcel Proust? <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, they they decide to do another rematch with um, JTT on the hood being dragged like they're tubing over mud. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, he goes flying into the air. Another trailer moment uh, for yep. for for the executives, and uh, at the end of it, the college girls come over and they they start complimenting uh, Marty for winning, and they're like, "Man, we never seen anything like that." You know, you must be uh, uh, you know so imaginative to use uh, to to do all this stuff. You know, it must be uh, uh, someone like you who thinks that uh, it's entertaining to shoot out you know streetlights with a pistol or some bullshit. Like really. This is the pivotal moment for Marty, who realizes, 
oh man, I'm never gonna get anywhere in this town doing what we're doing with these stupid stunts. We gotta, we gotta do something else. I, the, the the girls, I mean, basically, like they're being sarcastic. They say they yeah. pretty yeah. much say, "You guys are low class. We're never gonna hang out. We're never gonna get close to to boys like you. But if you decide to clean up your act." Come see us, and then we'll like you. Like she very, like she really lays down the gauntlet of like, yeah. I I know that you're like this, but if you if you decide to stop being like this, rather than date any of the available boys at the university, uh, we will <laughs> we will instead date you two hillbillies. That's that's what she's making. Um, thank God I'm a country boy. Yeah. The entire time, I mean that was his inner monologue there. Oh, gotcha. Uh, the. the um, uh, entire time, worth mentioning that uh, Mark is, you know, Marty's driving the buggy and Mark is uh, driving shotgun, filming the whole thing. They're mm-hmm. filming uh, JTT going through the mud. They're filming, you know, just all this stuff. So uh, they're excited about this new footage. We cut to the photo lab where just a little bit of manners, guys. They slap this <laughs> footage, this film container down on the counter with just the biggest glop of mud. <laughs> Like, you had to make effort to, you know, not wash yourself or even just, like, grab a handful of mud as you're walking into the store and then slap it down on the counter when you're sliding it across and just, like, streaking it across the glass surface as you push it to the the, the gentleman. And on the way over there, they must have been, like, stopping and getting water to pour onto the mud to keep it from drying out so it would still have that yes. viscous quality. That is the true yes. wildness at the heart of wild America. Um, but as the the uh, photo technician takes it, and you know they are clearly on you know familiar terms with the guy, uh, they see in his uh, in a, in one of those magical moments, um, we see. I, I don't know. There might have been like um, bells on the soundtrack to kind of give that mystical sound of like, what's this new? <laughs> spotlight hits it um in the in the case (laughs) yes in the case they do see an aeroflex camera holy moly with that thing we can (laughs) we can really make our nature films yes and he uh you know one of the brothers i don't fucking know which one nor do i care but he picks it up like he's he's (laughs) testing it out and he's looking through the viewfinder and we get marty and we get his pov of like he pans past jtt and there's an old basset hound in the corner and he pans over to the shopkeeper and then he pans back and as he passes across the basset hound oh no it's a lion now and it's roaring at the camera give me a countdown don't do that to (laughs) me jump scare and he don't (laughs) And so uh, lions are also in that category of predators that are bigger than me that need to be respected and by no means uh, should be, you know, um, thrown at a person without without notice. Should they, by no means should they sneak into a rural film developing shop in Arkansas. But so he he freaks out and jumps back. And for a second, for a split second, I was like, wait, is this movie about a magic film camera that sends them on adventures? Because that would be amazing. <laughs> no, this is just... That's the Disney version. That, the, that is the Disney uh, film. If, if only. If only that corporate synergy had existed at the time. But so instead, this is the this is the bigger, dumber movie coming in and kind of... Subtext? No thank you. The, the kid will be inspired to be a nature photographer by hallucinating a lion through the camera and be, and not just see, like not just seeing that and thinking like, oh wow, what a flight of fancy for my imagination. This would be cool. But he actually sees it 
His imagination is so strong, even though JTT is supposedly the dreamer, his imagination is so strong that he's frightened by this. <laughs> he, and the, that fear or that, that adrenaline carries him through the rest of the scene. Like, his brother goes, what? what's wrong? And he's like, this camera, is, this is what we're going to do. This is the meaning of our life. This is going to get us the footage we need to get on television. And his brother is just like, at no point, or even the shopkeeper, no one in this scene is like, did you just have an episode? Like, yeah. no one should have that sort of reaction to just looking through a viewfinder. <laughs> did, like, did you... literal screaming, like <laughs> a yelp of like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's it's like he it's like he looked into it and it was one of those web pages and where it it's like, back. find, yeah, find, uh, you know, find 10 differences between these two images and then after 30 seconds, like a scary face pops up. So uh, I think we can kind of bullet point the next few scenes here where back home, uh, mom and dad are talking about the boys wanting the camera and not being able to afford it. Dad's very much like, that ain't going to happen. Let's not give them hope for something that they can't actually do in life. Uh, you know, Marty's going to take over the business for me once uh, once that's so get him focusing on that rather than going out there and taking these stupid videos uh, or films, I should say. This is before <laughs> video. <laughs> yes, good, good. And good. mom's like, fuck you. I'm going to give him my Hawaii money. And he's like, you can't do that. You've been saving that up for years. Give that away in one day. No, I don't think so. Uh, but guess what? When mom and dad fight, guess who always wins? Uh, mom? Mom wins because the next day kids have the camera in hand and they are going out uh into the wilderness with uh with dc there is one really great moment from the little movie that that is destroyed by the big one where in the morning after that discussion mom is about to tell them she's going to give them the the vacation money when suddenly dad comes he just comes storming in from upstairs grabs like food off the table and says to the boys yep i'll give you that loan all right talk to me later and he just goes out and i (laughs) I thought that was a, a cool moment of, like, dad does it, like, it means, like, he loves his wife enough to not let her give away her money, and, like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. True. Again, we, give me the movie about this shit. I would have liked it better. But anyway, <laughs> they're out with DC with their brand new camera, which their dad has loaned them the money for, and the idea is that by selling footage from it, they will pay him back with yeah. interest. Loaned it with interest. <laughs> yes. His dad is a very fiscal person. Um, they're out in the wilderness, uh, the backyards. Um, taking their first uh, nature video, and they come across a little doe, a little little tiny deer. Yep, and they're uh, they, you know, DC is going to shoot it. He's got a he's got a bow and arrow, but they say no, nope, no, nope, <laughs> you can't. Got, he's got bloodlust in his eyes. <laughs> but they say no, it's not it's not right. It's not you know you can't shoot a doe. You can only shoot a buck. But he shoots it anyway, yep. and he wounds it, and then they give him a knife and force him to fin- and force DC to finish it off because they're well, ethical. The, Marty Marty says. You know, he pulls out the knife and, you know, shows it, thrusts it towards DC and says, you go and finish it off because this is clearly emotionally affected Marty. And DC shows his cowardice here and he won't do it. So Marty goes over and has to kill the deer himself, uh, which is just a big emotional kind of point for the arc that he goes through in this movie. Yes. And we get this shot that is like, un- this is unrelated to what's happening in the scene, but there's this like vertigo shot where it pushes in and zooms out on JTT's face as he like clenches his ears mm-hmm. to not hear the the deer being killed and I'm like I just want to take that shot and just show everyone what it feels like for me when a, a siren goes by on the street <laughs> or every time a bear is in a movie or every time uh, the song no, 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 no. A Lovely Day by Bill Withers plays in a coffee shop <laughs> fuck that Yes, exactly. All of those things at once. Your life is um, one long vertigo shot, really. So to to kind of follow up on this moment, uh, 
Okay, so Marty lies to the rest of the family and says that the footage they shot that day was out of focus and unusable, but then we see that he's watching it by himself, kind of reliving the moment over and over, and JTT and his, you know, wise beyond his years um, character, you know, approaches Marty and says, you know, it brings up Hemingway, and he says, would you think if Hemingway had a camera, he would have filmed them uh, rather than shoot them? Not really highlighting the fact that if you don't know that Hemingway was a big hunter... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that you 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 would miss this point entirely. Yes, and um, it's what this moment is saying. Even though it's not doing a good job, is like you can you can save these animals by filming them and showing people uh, about nature rather than killing them and showing uh, people about animals that way. Yes, he kind of makes this case of like, let's go and find rare American animals that are already going extinct and film them before yep. they're killed. That footage will be valuable and we can sell that. Exactly. And uh, so like that's that's where the idea is. We're going to go. Um, well, so, yeah, they go out by the lake and uh, that's where they have this whole conversation. And the next day they're excited to 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 put this plan into action. He goes up to his dad who's working underneath the big rig and says uh, that he's moving out. And his dad's like, you're not going anywhere. Yes, sir, yeah. I am. No, you are not. Like, <laughs> a big conflict between uh, his dad's plans for his family and uh, Marty's dreams of doing his own thing. Yes. And so so there's th this conflict with them, but then finally they're able to, they finally, like, just, you know, I, they, they make their case to him about how much money they can make doing this and how he raised them to be you know, self-reliant and, and get by on their own. And finally he relents and tells them, okay, well, school starts in two months. So you got two months to go get this done. Yeah. And then we go from there to them, like the two, the two older brothers in the plane hangar at night with, of course, JTT <laughs> hiding in the plane, watching them talking about their plan. And <laughs> such a note here, <laughs> everything they're going to do. We might have the same note, but they're talking about their plans to get rich. And the music is kind of playing yeah. in the background. He's saying like, this, you know, we get a, that footage. We'll get famous. And this whole town can kiss our Royal butts. Yeah. One cheek at a time. So, but as uh, like, as he says, one cheek at a time, the actor who says this, whichever brother that is, Devin Sawa or the other one, he he kind of turns dramatically to face the cameras. He says, yeah, one cheek at a time. And he's kind of looking raptly into the middle distance and he's oriented his body position towards the camera. And for a second, I was like, is he going to start singing? Is this going to turn into a musical? Because the music is coming up behind him. It's like, it's time <laughs> it's, to pay for the camera. It's weird the way that they decide to play these moments. Like that, the filmmakers know how to shape that moment into something yeah and it is such a weird moment to to shape like i didn't pick up on the musical thing but i totally see what you're saying there to me it was like he's about to launch into some sort of soliloquy about the using kissing his ass as like a metaphor for something like <laughs> he is taking a moment yes they can kiss our ass one yeah. cheek at a time. They can place one hand on the right cheek and one left on the other. They can gaze upon the brown eye of America. <laughs> Good God. Oh, too far. I'm sorry. Um, but they, at the beginning of the scene, I mean, so that's, that's weird that they make that a moment. But all these other important things that come into play later on, like, just completely fly by us really quickly. Yeah. Um, but early in the scene, the way the scene starts when they're talking about their plans and what they're going to do, it starts out by saying, I say we go for the badasses, all these endangered species, and he starts listing them off, and he goes, uh, but you know what? I think we can avoid the fish. You know, who the fuck wants to see 
<laughs> who wants to see a you know endangered flounder or blah 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 and it's just like yeah okay this movie has marked a stance that is anti-fish got this, it this movie this movie hates fish this is very problematic in 2021 <laughs> but they go from the the, the one cheek at a time uh moment to uh, Devin Sawa, uh, Mark saying, I think we need to do this as a, a blood brother pact. Oh God. And they go, I know maybe it's cause we just watched jungle to jungle, <laughs> but, uh, Marty starts blow torching, um, a metal rod, yep. like the tip of it. And I'm like, are they going to just grasp onto a flaming metal rod in their palms? Because we saw that in the previous movie. <laughs> they're they're going to give um, themselves tribal names. And, you know, one of them will be Cat Piss. <laughs> the other one will be Baboon. <laughs> and no, but they do something equally flummoxing where uh, they melt off a steel bead of this thing and put it down the back of their shirt until it goes down their pant leg. Molten like, steel. What? <laughs> I mean, okay, maybe this is based on a true story, but, like, that seems, like, I don't know, dangerous to human flesh to do? (laughs) Yeah, no, presumably they're scarring themselves in the process, and JTT is watching this from the plane and saying in voiceover, I wish I could have done this too, I would have done it in a minute if they'd let me, and it's like, you, this is Stockholm Syndrome, you were saying, I wish I could have engaged in (laughs) self-mutilation. Specifically says only someone, only an idiot, only someone stupid would want a metal ball dripping down their back. Yeah. But if they had asked me to do it, I would have done it in a second. And I had the same note as you. It's just like, you are too ingrained in this toxic culture of brotherhood. Uh, please go out on your own and find your own way. <laughs> go go to college on the East Coast, young man. Please. I'm begging you. <laughs> um, okay. They, next scene, they're packing up the car. They're they're getting ready to go. Dad doesn't want to come out and say goodbye. Uh, Mom's like, eh, he's just he's just having a, a fit. He is too hard for him. And they can't find Marshall anywhere. They think he's down by the lake. Uh, Marshall being JTT. Yeah. Um. He's like, okay, well, I guess uh, I don't need to say my goodbyes to them. So, okay, let's hit it. Yeah. <laughs> they get in the car and um, cue. You know, maybe the most commonly used. Music cue since Born to Be or since uh, Bad to the Bone, Born to Be Wild in the eighties, Born to Be Wild. It's yep. Now, uh, those of you listening at home, to just point out the significance, the movie's called Wild America, and what the soundtrack is suggesting is that these three boys were born. Well, two boys. I'm sorry, there's not a third boy in the car. Why would I say that? Uh, these two boys have been born to be wild. <laughs> But were they born to be wild America? Are you, is, is wild, it, does that equate to being an American? So were they born to be Americans? That's the real conflict of the movie. We know that they're wild. We don't know if they're wild Americans. I think when they start, they're wild Canadians. Uh, and then they're working their way up to, uh, which, which ironically, really, you'd have to work your way down from Canada to be a wild American. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so they're driving along, and one of them is reading from a book called Wild Animal Attacks, which is basically just oh like God, a penthouse forum for ghoulish <laughs> animal attack stories. Like, people just write in talking about being eaten by bears or alligators or other things. It's, it, 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 he's reading the most, like, gory details. Uh, and, he, you know, Marty's just lapping it up, and, and Mark is really, really loving uh, getting into this. <laughs> but uh, at a certain point of, like, the the grossness of this the like peak grotesqueness uh all of a sudden marshall just jumps up from the back seat jtt just like goes stop i've had enough 
<laughs> you, you know, and he scares his brothers the same way that the lion scared me. Yeah, yeah, and they 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 swerve the car and nearly and nearly crash off the road. The movie could have ended right then with them just going into a creek. And nope, America was too <laughs> wild for him. Um, yeah, uh, but we so, also saw a sign that they were leaving Arkansas, so we know that this uh, road trip is really really getting on its way. Yep. So now they're far enough from home that JTT's with them, and it's like they've gone yeah. too far to take him back. They they chat on the phone with uh you know with mom about this and yeah she at first is insistent that they bring jtt back but jtt jumps on the phone and says mom if it was you wouldn't you have stowed away wouldn't you want to you know see the world and she says fine keep him for a couple weeks you know just make just be careful yeah. um and then that night at the campsite they have jtt there and they're forcing him to listen as they read more from the <laughs> animal attack books and the only reason i mention this is because at this point i started realizing just how how perfectly designed this movie was to upset you, Landon, because they're yes, reading yes, yes, about a bear yes. attack, and it's yes. like they, they you, you can't. It's it, this is a multimedia uh, bear attack experience. <laughs> like a bear on screen, you can close your eyes. A character reading a description of being mauled by a it's, bear, it's harder to get away from that. Like every aspect of this is meant to circumvent your defenses. Believe it or not, there was a time in my life before I was uh, into horror movies. And yeah. a friend of mine said, hey, let's go see the Blair Witch Project. Oh, no. Uh, and I got some advice that just said, if you get too scared, just, you know, look away from the screen and hide your eyes. And let me tell you it's something good advice. about the Blair, <laughs> Blair Witch Project. Uh, if you haven't seen it, there's not much to see on the screen. It's just a lot of shaky video footage that really doesn't show you much of anything. It's mostly an audio experience. No. So blinding your eyes... <laughs> Doesn't do a whole lot to mitigate the fear that that film brought out in me. This movie is very much like that, where it's like, oh, you think you can just hide your eyes from the cover of a wild nature magazine with a bear on the cover? Nope. Nope. We're going to read you the gory details of every word on the inside of these articles. You're you're either you're either watching bears or you're listening to bear related talk. But there is no escaping bears in wild America. Uh, but in the morning, JTT gets revenge because his brothers are pissing in the creek and he fills their canteen downstream from where they're pissing. Again, blinking and miss it. Like, they do not really even bring... Like, they don't make it a big point. It just looks like he's filling canteens and, like, you have to piece it together that have they're to, peeing in the river and he's filling them up downstream. You have to <laughs> pee sit together, I think is what you mean. Comedy. Uh, so... <laughs> they're they, in the middle of doing this they spot an eagle grabbing a fish and they try to get their camera but it's locked in the car and the eagle flies away so yeah and and at this point like they are scrambling like this is their first chance at getting an endangered species it's a bald eagle and marty is like you know psychotic about this he's like banging on the window like the you know, shaking the car, trying to get the door open. He picks up a massive rock and he's like about to smash the window open. Yeah. <laughs> Just like with with red in his eyes. And the brothers have to run over and go, Marty, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Don't smash our only shelter. Uh, <laughs> the bird ran away. Yeah. Well, it flew away, but you, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, so, you know, from the, so that's, that's, you know, Quest one failed. They continue. They wind up in the bayou where they're talking okay. to a weird mountain man or bayou man, I guess, a swamp person. Okay, so um, I, this is the last point that I'm going to bring up about the kind of confusing nature of how this movie's structured. Yeah. Is they they go to, well, you said bio or bio. bio. Yeah. 
Bayou. You say that word. Bayou. 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 They go. They go there. You said that they go there, and what they don't really paint out, like I don't ever want to point out, like I could use a trope here, but like I really could have used the like map and the red line going through for where they're going in their road trip because they start in Arkansas. There's a sign for the Ozarks at one point. There's a uh, later the mountain is in Montana. It seems like they're in the Bayou here, and it's just like. The geography of where they're going is very confusing, but uh, well, that's, if it is the bayou, they're in some sort of swamp area. Yeah, yeah, it's it, you know, it, whatever it is, it is not a swamp in Montana. Like the the, the wildest <laughs> thing right, about America right. is the route that they're taking. <laughs> okay, now I want to take the rest of this episode to talk about this scene and this guy. <laughs> yes. They show up at a place called uh, Alligator Hell, and, okay, listen, you're doing nature documentaries, great, you're looking for endangered animals, great. Um, It seems like you're cheating a little bit if you are going to animal, it's like, we want to make a nature documentary, let's go to the city zoo. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. We want to show people animals they can't see anymore. Let's go to a place where they have animals put aside for people to see. (laughs) Um, But I want to take two hours to talk about Don Stroud putting in the performance of the century mm-hmm. as Stango, Stango, the Gator Man. Oh my God, this guy is like he is like putting in a WWF performance <laughs> as the guy that runs this alligator attraction. Yeah, he really he is he is chewing on scenery that includes a fake leg. <laughs> He is building scenery just to chew it on. So he starts talking about this gator that's in the the swamp that they've come to film. And he's talking about the danger of it. And he's like at one point talking about how uh, that damn thing got my leg. And like he is he's been whittling this whole time and he stabs his own leg in a PG movie before you even realize that it's a wooden leg. And then the knife is just kind of dangling back and forth through the rest of the scene. And JTT's watching on in horror. Yeah. It is, it's ridiculous. You you know, Uh, it it suggests that the wildest thing about America might be the people, not the animals. (laughs) Makes you think, doesn't it? It does, it does. All right, let's talk about this gator scene because this is the first of like, the wh- where did this movie just go <laughs> yeah i mean it's i don't know i because I, I was thinking going into the movie like okay so this is going to be like basically part nature documentary part comedy adventure movie we're going to have shots of real animals yep. intercut with shots of kids Th- then yep. this is them on a very elaborate sound stage made to look like a swamp in a canoe yep. where there are where they are dealing with a you know well Part film stock of alligators and part prop gators. Right. Yep. Uh, so they're they're quote unquote chumming the waters. They got a bag full of meat that they throw into to entice the the gator out. And we do see a shot of the gator on the shore coming out. Uh, but it was their their only meat. So you know, Mark gets out of the boat to get the meat bag out of the tree that got stuck there, so that they could spread it around more. But yeah. he gets stuck in the water, and um, then you know starts to drown. So Martel jumps in to, or well, they they move the boat and then it crashes into a log, which sends JTT flying into the water, and thus begins an action sequence that is just like not something I ever expected from this movie. Not uh, at all. JT, JTT's like, throw me the knife. He throws the knife. It goes into the water and he like grabs it underwater, cuts 
um, cuts Mark loose as the the Gator starts coming at them. He drops uh, Mark gets into the boat. JTT drops the flashlight, and it just it lands inside the mouth of a Gator. Yeah, and thus begins like a nature horror movie. <laughs> yes, of like the the gate the Gator's coming after him, and they're rushing back to the boat. And there's the uh, the God. flashlight is still shining through the Gator's mouth. So it's like like this That's would clever. be an, a, a fantastic scene in one of the Lake Placid sequels. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's also just a great way to be budget friendly and show where the alligator is without <laughs> right. having to show the expensive and inoperable uh, Gator prop. It's like having the barrels and jaws. Yes. Um, and so they they finally scramble back on the boat and they're able to get back to shore. Listen, they're not going to survive that attack. This is a definitely a movie. This did not happen in based real life. Based on a true I story. Mean, based yeah, on a true story, so. Landon. Everything happened. <laughs> their they dad back to the sang shore. that exact song to his plane and he farted every time. True story. <laughs> We get back to the shore, and we get. If you thought Don Stroud put in a performance uh, with his introduction, man, oh my God, this next scene is just wild. He America comes out, and he's like, he's like, I didn't expect you guys to survive that. <laughs> oh man, and they. He starts talking about, uh, you know, his friend Phil, who he fell in with at, in Korea, and he's like, oh yeah, Phil, he was big into nature, he talking about this cave with a bunch of bears, and they, like, perk up, they're like, a cave? Bears? What? That's what we're looking for. And they ask him about it, he's like, oh yeah, Phil knows all about that, doesn't he? Yeah, Phil's just right inside here, and he's like, Phil's I- inside there, we can talk to him? And, and, I'm, and at this point, my note is just, two older single men living together in a swamp, how quaint. <laughs> and he brings him inside to talk to Phil while he's still going on about Phil. Oh yeah, Phil was out there. He said we do, do with the Gators, like <laughs> full King of the Hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is this, this is Boomhauer gone bad. Yes. <laughs> and my, my favorite mo- moment of this movie happens where, uh, as he's talking about Phil and bringing him to go see Phil, he's talking about Phil's encounter with this Gator, and he's like. But the thing is, Gator got him up to his knees. And you see the shot of a mounted Gator on the wall with two human legs hanging off it. Like he taxidermied Phil's legs to go with the taxidermied alligator. Which is and, which is psycho shit. Absolute psycho shit. Absolutely psycho shit. And his reaction to this is just... <laughs> It is. I'm gonna step away from the microphone so I don't blow people's eardrums. Out. Yeah, thank you. When when he looks at this and then looks back at the kids, he's just like, and he got him up to the knees. <laughs> he's just like screaming and gibbering and laughing and guffawing straight into the camera. It is, and we get a hard cut to the three boys driving with just bloodless faces <laughs> like what the fuck did we just experience um, america is a little wilder than we thought it would be <laughs> it's it's and you know it happened it happened i mean it, it, <laughs> i i don't know i i feel i feel like this guy is some kind of weird circuitous serial killer where he has this gator yes. attraction but he actually expects people to die in the attraction but no it's the perfect yes. crime the gator did it you can't convict a gator I would watch an entire movie of San, uh, Stango. Uh, I definitely want to see that movie. And yeah. worth mentioning, like, this is a house of horrors. I just want to mention the um, uh, the guy who did the special effects for this movie went on to do all of Rob Zombie's movies. 
Okay, okay, that fits. That fits. This is the the house of a thousand animal corpses and one human corpse, and they just work their way up from there. Wayne Toth, he did House of a a Thousand Corpses and more. So House of a Thousand Corpses, House of uh, Cave of a Thousand Bears, it's all similar territory. Whenever there's a structure with a thousand of something in it, you know you're in for some spooks. (laughs) Wayne Toth will be there. Um, Uh, Okay, we get another vignette. They stop at a pit stop, meet some hippie chicks uh, who teach them how to go skinny dipping on a nude beach. Yep, and as, you know, they make JTT wait with the car and the camera as they go running off down the beach, stripping off their clothes. <laughs> the we song... get a, a zoom in on JTT's face as he, as he sees boobs for the first time in his life. <laughs> Which is, again, that should have been my first clue this wasn't a Disney movie. Uh, but he tur- so but that's, as... that's not something we're going to see on Home Improvement. No, 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 not at all, not at all. That might, you know, we're that's... filling in the gaps of his yeah. uh, uh, adolescent growth here. Yeah, yeah, and as this is happening, you know, he turns on the camera, and I should also just note that the song Bend Me, Shake Me, Any Way You Want Me, or uh, whatever, <laughs> is playing in the background. I'm mentioning this because it comes back later. So, yes, uh, this yeah, whole so... thing, so this, this is part of that track that doesn't quite work in this movie of, like, JTT's a prankster and finds his own ways to get back at his brothers for torturing him. Like, they set that up with the pee drink and with the toothbrush thing and it comes into play later but it it never quite clicks it never quite hits and this is important because it becomes a prank later in the film i also don't know how good the zoom on this camera is but they're they're way off down the beach i don't know (laughs) they're getting a lot of good nudity um but yes so then they're driving through monument valley while music plays and then uh yes if there is ever an america the quintessential american location it's monument valley where all of most of john ford's movies were shot so yeah. it's a beautiful beautiful locale and at this point magic carpet ride is playing and the this scene is clearly just filler second unit shots of the jeep driving yes. around intercut with no like footage of the boys clowning around in the car like reading to jtt from the book but with no sound <laughs> Uh, and I gotta say, it's it's this is one thing that makes this movie unique. It's rare that you get both Steppenwolf songs in one movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that you they they went they went for it because it was like, well, listen, we again, it's just padding the runtime. We have to, we need to license as many classic rock songs as we can, so we can put that in the background <laughs> of just shots of a jeep driving around to keep the boomers entertained. Okay. We got to talk about the scene because this is where it really – this is the halfway point in the movie. And it just – it goes – they decide they're going to put a sequence together and pack so much into a single sequence that it makes your head spin. So they drive into presumably Area 51, some sort of military base that they have to – um, you know, sneak into by, you know, driving their car through a barbed wire fence. Fenced off property, you know, U.S. government property. It's just like yep. a big field, but whatever. Yeah. They're lounging, looking for some stuff, uh, you know, keeping cool. And then JTT sees uh, a doe. They're here looking for this uh, endangered wolf uh, of the desert plains. And uh, as they see a doe, they suddenly see the wolf as well. And they say, get the camera. And they start filming as the, the wolf is going in for its kill. And we see the deer and we see the wolf and we see like we're, we're David Attenborough shit here, man. We're, yeah. we're like, we know how this ends. Yeah. Or do we? Well, they, but we're al- we're also intercut with the footage of the wolf and the doe. We get shots of the boys with their camera yeah. being fed by the producers what they're seeing and how to react. So it's a lot of just, <laughs> right. wow, oh my God, look at him go. But uh, never in planet Earth <laughs> or life do we get this unexpected turn. Just as the wolf is about to make his kill. There is 
an explosion. <laughs> yep, yep, it's the rare Michael Bay wolf. It uh, explodes when <laughs> when it uh, when it gets too close to the kill. Uh, oh my god! And then all of a sudden, there are bombers flying overhead. And okay, so these fighter jets fly by. They've dropped this bomb. Uh oh, government bombing range who could have guessed but th- this moment that i love the boys see the planes fly over and react not with fear that they're going to get a bomb dropped on them but with awe and one of them says wow f4 phantoms this is great and i just have to say <laughs> that is the most american shit i've ever seen a boy looking at a fighter jet that just nearly dropped a bomb on him and saying this is great nearly nearly dropped a bomb on an endangered species <laughs> well yeah I mean, sure, the endangered species, but also you, like, the boys are currently endangered in this moment, and their reaction is yeah. like, oh, cool, fighter jets. <laughs> uh, but then they see that they're circling back around, and they're going to go for another pass. Um, they say, take take shelter behind that rock, but as soon as they get to the rock, I was worried here. This was a stunt that was, like... This was huge. They There's this, like, massive boulder, and, like... The stunt people were way too close to this thing when this thing explodes. And like, it, shrapnel would tear them to bits. It, it, and this rock explodes. I don't remember the last time I saw, and this is a practical effect, I think, but like, this is a massive explosion. There's a boulder, and then there's no yeah. boulder. And I clearly, think it, this is very 90s uh, special effects where it's two practical effects that are then composited together mm-hmm. in post. I what I also love about it is that at this point the people in the fighter jets can clearly see three boys <laughs> running towards this boulder and are like no nope. hey they're trespassing yeah yeah hey if they're, they're if they're running their if they're running their VC bomb them <laughs> <laughs> uh, but okay so I just want to I want to take take stock of where we are okay nature wolf is about to get a get a deer explosion f14 bombers they they get in their car. The boulder explodes. What else does a scene need? How about a stampede? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just suddenly just horses out of nowhere start running. Yeah, so because on the secret government property, they also have ten thousand horses. I guess just waiting. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the horse stampede, and they have to jump in the car, and they're like, r- the horses are running around them, and they're filming the horses. And this is edited cleverly so that you can kind of pretend for a second that the boys and the horses are in the same place. Uh, uh, and they're filming, you know, the entire time. Mark is filming the entire time. And um, as they're kind of getting, you know, once they're once they're safe, they start exploring the area a little bit more on foot. They come to a little crevasse uh, where they see a cave painting. Yep. Yep, some Lasco uh, ass uh, cave paintings of a cave filled with bears. Um, oh God, that's a fortunate thing. I I do want to say just quickly yeah. before this scene ended, or before they got to the cave with the cave paintings, I I just was kind of thinking like I really wish that this movie was just them wandering around the government base and then getting footage of an alien or something and being chased by the FBI or like they're they're trying to record footage of like the the deer being chased by a wolf and then they instead record two politicians meeting in the woods to have sex or exchange money and it becomes a blackmail conspiracy it thriller. It becomes the conversation. Yeah, ex- exactly, you know, but, but whatever. But instead they find a cave with a painting of another cave. But Marty's paranoia really goes off the rails by the end of it. Yeah. Uh, he's tearing every carburetor apart looking for a wire yeah he's, he's ripped the entire plane to limb from limb uh, um 
Okay, so, anyway. so they they obviously have no way of uh, transposing this this map of the the bears. So yeah, it's not like they have a JT. camera or something. Yeah, so. <laughs> but they got to get that developed. It's 1967, man. I, and they um, didn't bring like one point and shoot. I don't know. I'm I, I'm fair. Look, fair. if they'd taken a picture of it, we wouldn't have an excuse for JTT to take his shirt off in the next scene. <laughs> got to give something for the ladies. Um, they draw the map on his chest and then go to a Native American to ask, where is this? And she gives them a vague idea that it's out in the you know, mountains of Montana. So off they are again, and they start singing Born to be Wild a cappella. Yeah, more shots of them. Well, the song is playing and them singing it. And um, this is uh, just got to order up some pad time for your movie. Nice. Just- very yeah, good. Th- very thank good. you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You need more that. trailer shots. You need to make this look like a lively adventure, which uh, they do. Yes, they certainly succeed at that. Uh, okay, we move on to the next vignette yes. of this movie. Yes, it's a regular They're Canterbury now, Tales. We've gone from the bayou to the buttes of Utah to the Montana wilderness I, and, in all of 15 minutes. And let's not forget that they also seemingly made a stop along the California coast to go to a nude beach <laughs> right. with those uh, 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 hippies. Right. So yep, know, we, yep, I forgot about been that. been all over. Um, okay, they're in the, the wilderness. They're they're on this little hillside looking down over the vast valleys, and uh, Marty's like, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get this damn grizzly, and the way we're gonna do that is I got this little tool here. This tool is like bacon to uh, bacon to a grizzly. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. It, it, yeah, I was trying to I was trying to recall exactly how he phrased it, and I I couldn't do much better than you. But it's a bear it's a bear it's, call. Yeah, it's basically a dying rabbit kazoo. And, you know, mm-hmm. he blows into it, and it sounds like a dying rabbit, and uh, you know. <laughs> You know, for bears. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Now I'm engaged. Uh, <laughs> uh, Marty's like, I'm not going to do it. And Mark's like, well, I don't want to go do it. I'm not going to go do that shit. And we get a little voiceover from uh, JTT who grabs the, the thing from them. And he says, I wasn't stupid. I knew they'd make me do it anyway. At least this way, the stories would stop. And I'm like, is, it, is, that, is that not stupid to go, to go do that? You you say you're not stupid, but you're doing a stupid thing just because, you know, you are living through your Stockholm Syndrome. Well, because he, he negotiates with them. He says, I'll do it if you give me the book of scary animal stories so I don't have to listen to him anymore. So oh, in that regard, that yeah, no, he was actually being smart and you were being stupid. I'm sorry to tell you that, Landon. Um, <laughs> well, it's not a surprise. Yeah. Uh, but so he goes out there. He's blowing on the thing. And <laughs> and uh, that doesn't sound good. He's blowing the bear call. And finally, a baby moose comes. Well, a ba- and, we, we see a baby moose come out of the forest. We see JTT yeah. reacting to a baby moose coming out of the forest. We see yeah. JTT extending his hand. And then we see a shot of a baby moose and the lower, like... The like one third of the body of a human being wearing the same color shirt as JTT reaching out and touching a moose, and then we get a shot of yeah. JTT smiling with his hand off camera. <laughs> and they they think it's a deer. Now listen, they they're nature guys. I I know that this is a moose. Yes. <laughs> and I am not a nature guy. Yeah. How they think that this is a deer? You know, it's just one of these things that's it's tweaked for audience entertainment, I guess. Because um, guess what? When there's a baby, there's always a mama. Oh boy, not the mama. I'm the baby, gotta love me, etc. Uh, yeah, so the 
Mother Moose comes running, and JTT goes oh. goes running away from it. And what better to soundtrack this than boogie woogie fifties piano music? It's reminiscent of the of the kind of interstitial boogie woogie music in Ghostbusters when they get chased out of the library by the ghost lady. Look at it's it it's the ultimate hijinks music. I really have to say. Um, we get another composite shot because I think this wide shot of JTT running from the mother moose is JTT in the in the the wide shot. Um, but there is a moose chasing him, and they clearly wouldn't do that on set. So yeah. I think that the it's maybe some early visual effects or or a composite shot of something. But uh, it's pretty effective actually. Yeah. Until until it scoops him up in his antlers. Yeah. Just like not I'm gonna gore you to death like I do because I'm a moose and I am a very territorial aggressive animal. Nope. Just I'm gonna hey 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 buddy I'm just gonna scoop. Do you little scoop scoop? Yeah, I was gonna give. How would you like to ride my antlers? Yeah, I'm 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 a moose Uber driver. Welcome, <laughs> welcome aboard. You want some bottled water or some gum? What radio station do you want to listen to? I uh, so and, and then in a in a moment that I think was more than likely cut to make this a PG movie is that they probably shot or maybe forgot to shoot. Um, <laughs> The fact that, okay, so Marty and Mark, they grab the camera and they're filming and running after and chasing this whole scene, uh, filming it the entire time. And then they just cut to the moose and JTT in the water. Like, yeah, <laughs> where did the river come from? The, the, the just, moose goes over a hill and just the next scene is just, oh, JTT and moose in the water. And pretty quickly the moose disappears and then it's just JTT. And also, yeah. you get whiplash from how quickly you go from like music to like orchestral score. Like he, it was all fun and games when he was just sitting on a moose's antlers, running around. But then when he's in the water, now it's real danger, and we need the score. And I want to point out the last the stampede. We extend time here on grunt work. We bend space and time. Yes. <laughs> but in the movie, it was I counted it. Five minutes ago, there was the stampede, and all of a sudden, JTT is riding the antlers of a moose and running down a rushing stream. Uh, uh, so, uh, just felt like noting that. Are, so, what you're saying, Landon, is that America, as presented in this movie, is somewhat wild? <laughs> I guess I see why Speaking you like the movie. I mean, it delivered. <laughs> it didn't... There were no false promises. No. Um, okay. Worth mentioning that as they're running and chasing uh, uh, JTT as he's going down this river, Mark looks up on the other side of the shore and sees Bigfoot? Is my, that Bigfoot? My heart was in my throat. I once again saw a way this movie could go from baffling to truly great. If we if we got a surprise Bigfoot after our extensive relationship with Bigfoot on this show already. Oh, God. Um... And uh, it's it's very mishandled here, but all of a sudden, JTT is scooped out of the water. No, not by a moose, but by Bigfoot. And Bigfoot isn't Bigfoot at all. Yes, that's right. It's it, Danny Glover. Based on a true story. <laughs> <laughs> a, a mountain man wearing leather pelts and furs with a bandolier of shotgun shells. The only black character in the movie. <laughs> Danny Glover. <laughs> Um. So, 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 yep, yep. Work it out, Landon. I'm here for you. <laughs> I can't. I can't even. Just I, Danny Glover, folks. Danny Glover, and I don't even want to go through the rest of his scenes. I just want to leave it at that because that's really all that it is. It's just like, hey, Danny Glover. Hey, okay. 
you you guys like the weapon right remember that movie well here's this guy (laughs) okay so uh we cut to night danny glover has invited them (laughs) i'm not even call him mountain man he's danny glover danny glover invites the boys to danny glover's campsite God, I wish that Danny Glover would retire from acting and open a campground called Danny Glover's Campsite, or alternately a bar called Danny Glover's Campsite, because that sounds like a lot of fun. We start the scene by uh, JTT burning the wilderness book that uh, that Mark was reading from, and yep. again, the, they this tracks so flatly that I didn't even pick up until my second viewing of this that... He's burning it because it scared him. Yes. Like, I just thought, oh, they're just burning a book because they have nothing else to burn for for heat. <laughs> like, I thought that they were trying to make this a dire situation. But oh, no, no, he's just burning it as a goofer on his brothers. Well, either either that or be, or he's burning books because, you know, Hitler told him to. One, one of the two. One of the two. Uh, and... So Danny Glover is telling them that the that the bear cave isn't real. You shouldn't go looking for it because even if it is real, it's you'll never get out alive. Yeah, you don't want to wake a line, up a sleeping a here bear. from him. Yeah. So he basically says that bears sleep alone. That this thing is fantasy. Don't go looking for it. And he goes, <laughs> "All right, fine. The truth is out there. Suppose you find the fucker. You look in his eye and you want something, but he's looking back at you because he wants something too. Like." You know, he's trying to scare them off on bears. Like, what are you going to do when you see a fucking bear, dude? And listen, he's out here speaking the truth. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, he. this is, <laughs> if I could point anyone to why you need to stay away from bears, just, I'm going to point them right to Danny Glover. <laughs> yes, listen, he, listen to this reputable say, source. I want to say, too, Danny Glover has big Quint from Jaws energy. In oh yeah, scene. yeah, he's channeling that. <laughs> he he's a he's a landlocked Quint. Yeah. Uh, he he uh, also but... he he says to them in this scene at one point. I took issue with this. He accuses the boys. You know, they're looking for this cave. He accuses them of chasing some wild-eyed dream. That's his his words. And I'm just like, dude, you live in the woods. You wear antlers on your head. D- like, don't talk about like, glass houses is all i'm saying like you two oh, right, right. are chasing well, a wild edge don't give anybody life advice danny glover rescue them from a river if you must but recognize that everybody is letting their freak flag fly out here that's presuming that danny glover is actually real and not a figment a, a joint hallucination of these three boys because as he makes his point about these bears and how they're going to get ripped to shreds and he starts laughing maniacally stands up and uh, disappears. Based <laughs> just, on just, a true story. <laughs> just just laughter echoing in the night. That's all that's left of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, yeah. So I don't want to belabor this point too much, but this, ha- this movie did, I guess, take a page from the Hudsucker proxy where the only black character in the movie exists outside of space and time and has magical properties. <laughs> Um, they do another call in, uh, check in with mom, uh, say that they want to keep Marshall, uh, JTT for another two weeks. He's been, uh, he's actually been helpful on the trip. And do they mention to their mother, Hey, last night we met a mountain man who then disappeared before our very eyes. No, this is normal shit. These are the same boys who saw a lion through a camera viewfinder in a, uh, film shop. So anything goes. 
Anything goes. They drive a little further in the mountains. They pass some very unsavory characters. Again, this is a very important point that they just kind of glaze over. It just looks like a filler B-roll, uh, you know, shot as they're, they're driving through getting the local scenery. But nope, this is going to come into play in just a few scenes. So remember those unsavory characters they drive Oh, yeah, those by. Sp- spooky hillbilly types, yeah. They they pass a sign, Willings Peak, uh, and they park the truck um, uh, in front of a house. Yep. Uh, lone house in the wilderness, and they go knocking on the door. They, I would uh, go doing that in the wilderness where there are hunters and people that do not. They seek solitude for a reason. So yes. don't go knocking. Don't go. Listen, they say don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> well, they I mean, they almost did. I mean, they they went chasing a waterfall like one scene ago and Danny Glover had to help them. So at least they're chasing yeah, something right. different. My my yeah, note so. here as they walk up to this snowbound house is that they're just walking right through a Red Dead Redemption two level. That's that's the uh, only commentary Truman, I have. Landon, did Truman, you write the we same are thing? One and the same person. You're, oh, you're thinking what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> they they go into first they, person mode. They find some chewing tobacco and a tarot card. <laughs> yeah, there's a very special map located in this cabin, and if you go just you know 200 meters or 200 you know feet outside this cabin, you're gonna run into legendary bear territory. You can get that legendary pelt. Oh, God. And, uh, yeah, and then you uh, you get some, I don't know, I guess you can sell it for, like, ten bucks in town, and you're like, wait, this it seems like, for all the work that I put into getting this pelt, I should get a little more than this. Like, how is this really affecting gameplay? No, you take it to the trapper, and you get the unique uh, unique bear hat. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know that I want to wear a bear hat all the time. That's just me. I have a nattier <laughs> cowboy in this three-year-old game we're currently <laughs> discussing as we approach the two-hour mark. So, okay. they, they hammer on this stranger's door. Uh, and yes. they and just like, hey, ma'am, we're looking for a bear cave. Do you know where that is? We're filmmakers. Because <laughs> she's like, I, I don't let people in. I don't talk to people. Get the fuck off my porch. And uh, they're like, but we're filmmakers, and we're looking for a cave. And she's like, there's no cave here. And they're like, are you sure? Because we're, we're here. Are, so there are, must be. Are you, are you sure? Because we saw a painting in a cave and talked to one Native American woman. And, <laughs> like, I also love that there's never any, like, hard and fast clue as to the exact location of the bear cave. Most of the movie seems to be just, the boys are just going to drive around the United States until they stumble on the bear cave, and it works. And it works. A a bear cave that everyone tells them them doesn't exist, by the way. It works for them, and it kind of works for me, because, like, I I don't want to get too lost in the, you know, like, that's not the movie I I signed up for, so. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would be an interesting different movie, but not this one. So, but then she's like, okay, well, I don't know about this cave business, but you are letting your little brother freeze to death, so why don't you come on inside? And as she kind of nods her head to, to motion them in, uh, her hair moves off her face, and it's it's wildly burned. Yes. Well, scarred. I don't think burned. Scarred. Yeah. Because of bears. I got burned with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Landon, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You burnt. Anyway. I'm I'm burnt. Uh, she starts talking, you know, they're talking over tea and scones. Again, you learn a lot over tea and scones. Yep. Um, (laughs) she explains that the cave is a fantasy. You guys are dumb. Bears sleep alone. They don't sleep a thousand together. Yeah. Um, shows them a photo of her husband. Uh, she's living up here alone. Her husband died out there in the wilderness. Uh, a bear got him. Well, he took her, he took her to a cave, like or the cave i guess like she said the bear cave doesn't exist and then she also says my husband took me to the bear cave and the bears <laughs> killed him and he never escaped and i got badly injured 
so I should, mixed messages here. Also, I yes. have to point out the boys just had an encounter with like a ghostly black Davy Crockett, and then a random <laughs> lady in the woods invites her into their house. Like this is how you get Babu Yaga, guys. Like don't just like you're you're walking into a folk tale at this point. Um, but yes. yeah. So she anyway she tells them don't don't go chasing bears. Like I I you know I've been grievously injured. Because my husband died, I have forsworn myself to a life living in the woods. I know, I only, you know, like they're coming up on the anniversary. Tomorrow is the anniversary of when her husband died. And she says, I'm going to take flowers to lay at his, at his grave site. And, yep. but, uh, you know, don't, don't go find yeah, the I bear. Guess all very important points. Again, that I just, I, on first viewing, did not pay attention to. Exactly. But they are so important. Yes, yes. And we even skipped over that when they're kind of looking around her house, JTT looks in a window and sees some flowers being grown. Yeah. Which also are very important that just are not highlighted well enough. Not at all. But um, let's get back to the truck. They get back and just written on in snow on the front of the truck says, thanks. And uh, those unsavory characters from before, they ransacked the place. They took everything, sleeping bags, food, money. You name it. Um, and thus begins the fractured relationship between the brothers. Marty wants to continue because he's just uh, worried about whether or not the film got stolen. It didn't. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's like, are you fucking kidding me? We can't eat film. We can't sleep on film. You can <laughs> and, uh, burn film, though. Film burns very well. Very, very much so. Um but doesn't doesn't last very long. Mm, so true. you get one one quick burst of warmth and then it's over. <laughs> uh, anyway, the fractured relationship continues, and uh, Mark Mark takes it. Well, I should say Marty brings out at this point that uh, Dad. Oh, well, okay. So they lost everything. Here's how this goes. I, it needs to be broken down a little bit. They lost everything. Maybe Mom and Dad can send us money. Yeah, Dad can just fly it over and drop it down. He says it very sarcastically. We have no reason before this moment to suspect anything of like, yeah. oh, well, why would that be a weird thing to say? Dad yeah, used to fly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Great. And Mark is like, "Don't do this, man." And Marty's like, "Yeah, you think Dad ever flew? Dad never flew a plane in his life." And JTT's like, "What are you talking about? No." And Mark starts to stand up for JTT. They get in a tussle. And they, uh, Mark and Marty get in a tussle, and they go flying over the hill of the mountain, down and down and down. And then we get a grotesque. <laughs> looking oh god moment yeah where mark breaks his leg <laughs> and and it and it twists oh that leg goes, goes in a direction that the leg should not go very intense for a pg movie um and he says i'm sorry i didn't mean it. he's like oh, i don't blame you and uh cut to a doctor's office just yep. just a hairline fracture yeah <laughs> the thing that's bent all the way back behind your ear nope just a hairline fracture you're good and and yeah, and so then they're like talking on the phone to their parents, and mom is going to wire money to the doctor. But I thought just a no second big deal, ago mom. he just fell off a mountain. <laughs> yeah, and and but I thought the issue just a second ago was there's no money. We can't ask mom and dad for money. But now they've asked mom and dad for money to pay the doctor, and yeah. so uh, yeah. So anyway, they're there, and then the uh, you know the doctor, the doctor's wife and her ten children come in and basically tell them <laughs> was it ten? I, th I thought it was like. 40 million kids come the, in at once. The entire, the, the island of lost children files in behind the <laughs> wife. And and she says, you're going to bunk with us tonight or else you'll be eaten by a bear. Hard cut Everybody to is afraid of bears. Yes. <laughs> that's, no, that's true. The people in, the people around these parts have a, hey, give bears the respect that they deserve, Th unlike these three kids. Thank you, sir. Yes. Thank you. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, <laughs> they, this is the next day. Yeah. Um, 
and oh yeah, they're driving and um JTT is like, well, they, they don't know where their next step is going to be. And then J, it, it dawns on JTT. He puts all the pieces together. Wait a minute. That woman said she's going to take flowers to her husband's grave. And I saw the flowers. They were gone. She's going to, if we go, we can follow her to the grave. We, can, they, we they, can follow her to the cave. Like, they drive past her. And yeah, like, J, JTT puts this together. Like, she says, oh, she said her husband never made it out of the cave. And she's taking them to his final resting place. And I'm just like, yeah, JTT, not everybody speaks in weird coded riddles, like some kind of fucking like text-based <laughs> adventure RPG. Like this is like how dumb. I really wish the movie was just, they follow her all over town and then they get to like just a cemetery where they buried like, you know, <laughs> right. like just, just a, a funeral plot where they put like some remembrance items of his in the ground or something. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but they, they do follow her. Uh, she leads them to, you know, the cave. They, they follow her a little too close like you know if she's a wilderness person she would know tracking she would be able to tell the movement that's like you know what 100 yards behind her yeah yeah and whatever and also let's just point out that our heroes in this movie realize oh we can we can get what we want by stalking a grieving widow and intruding on her grieving process <laughs> yes but they do yep, uh, that's and what they she do. does they and- they take them to she so they get to the cave and uh, JTT's watching her walk away, and Marty just kind of turns his head, uh, physically turns his head to look, and we get a jump scare. Like a Sam Raimi whip cave. pan. To, yeah, the, <laughs> the mouth of the cave looks like a bear's mouth. Well done, nature, Boo. being on, on point with your, uh, with your metaphors, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's, they, see, because the, it's a bear cave, and, and it looks like a bear, so it's a metaphor for bears. Like, it looks like a bear because it's a bear. Um, it's a single entendre. Uh, but, yeah, so... It, thus, <laughs> thus begins a very confounding scene, yep. right? Uh, if you thought that F-14 bombers intruding on nature and causing stampedes was crazy, or that a moose launching JTT into a water and being saved by Bigfoot... <laughs> Was yeah. crazy. <laughs> Get ready for the climax of this movie, folks. I uh, yes, yeah, so they go in the cave. Bunch of rattlesnakes. What do we do about rattlesnakes? So so many rattlesnakes. Huge just number. right at the mouth of this cave. This is a D and D dungeon right here. This is like a level <laughs> one dungeon. Uh, like they're they're not even ten feet into the cave. The the light is still shining on them. Yeah, yeah. They, they could they could have seen them from outside the spooky cave. Honestly, <laughs> yes, yeah. Rattlesnakes. What do you do about rattlesnakes? Well, you throw a bunch of snow on them to cover them up. Because they 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 look they have heat. That's how they see. Is they mm. see through heat. Oh, I see. I see. Didn't you go to that Natural History Museum exhibit? I I, I know I missed I missed the one about how uh, how snakes see. I was I was only going to OMSI, the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry. So I know a lot about like nuclear okay. submarines and hydroelectric it, power, but nothing about snakes. But my, nothing thermal. My, no, no, nothing thermal. I didn't I didn't go. You know that that exhibit moved on before I could get to it. My my wild America is just me driving around filming dams and uh, submarines. It's much much safer. So they throw they their their big plan is hey let's just throw a bunch of snow on them and yep. of course you know they throw snow and in a moment that made me giggle so much it's just they throw snow on snakes snakes don't move no nope. nope. just just a bunch of little pokey pokey rattlers sticking out of the surface of the snow <laughs> as they tiptoe across them and just like this is 
This is like a haunted house. It was just so... There was even a, a shot of a real snake next to a fake snake that they like had a little rod attached to its head uh, yeah, to yeah. like poke up through the ground. And I'm like... This is where we've hit with this movie. <laughs> we've really, it's really just become a Disneyland ride. Yes. So they get past the snakes, and I'm thinking, yep. okay, rule of threes, there's going to be two other challenges before they get to the cave of bears. No, they literally right. just like blink, and then they are in a closed off dead end cave full of bears. What do you mean? Oh, well. No, you, you are you skipping over the part where they, they pass the rattler snakes and then they're outside celebrating? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Landon. No, that is what happened. Hey, why don't you, um, here, Landon, why don't you go grab a juice box, okay? I'm just going to talk to the people for a second here. <laughs> this was not fun. No. Um, but I I powered through it. I'm not going to lie. I had to pause a couple of times. Pause? Like on a bear? Fuck. No, no, okay, no. Sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I will say, as difficult as it was, there was a lot of reward to suffering through it. I agree. This this it is in this location that I became the Joker. So I think we both had a big moment here. <laughs> okay. Uh since I was so conservative and reserved in this, I'm going to give you the reins and I'm just going to pepper in some stuff as we go through it. Totally good. So they walk in. Oh no, they're surrounded by hibernating bears. And they're Im- it's immediately like, oh, they're all around us. What do we do? And it, but it's like, how are they all around you? You walked into this room, and the bears are <laughs> and asleep and immobile. They're sleeping. How yeah. did they surround you? But so, yeah, so it's is it a thousand it's, bears? It's not a thousand bears. It's no. like ten. Like, ten. somebody here can't do math. It's the cave of ten to fifteen bears. It just doesn't sound as good <laughs> as the cave of a thousand bears. Fair. But, okay. Yeah. Okay, so they've been somehow surrounded by or, totally immobile sleeping bears. Um, when, when, the, uh, when the folklore... Uh, the myth of this started. Maybe there was a thousand bears, and now there's only ten. Because guess what, guys? Climate change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was just going to be the bear. All the other bears, like you know, saved up money and got their own caves, and they just didn't have to be as overcrowded <laughs> anymore. The, like the bears moved to the suburbs. Uh, they, they moved to the big blue house. Uh, so <laughs> we all know, no bears stay stay in the country. Hence the the jug band the country bears uh, yeah and i guess they have to be near the woods so they can go take a shit uh so <laughs> there's a lot of them being really scared and trembling as they set up lights to film the bears the, and, and the boys not the bears the, the boys yeah and they're you know so but then they shine the lights into the bear's eyes we get a terrifying shot this actually scared me of like a, an animatronic bear eye opening in a beam of light which is very odd and this okay, this is so weird of the mixture of real bear and puppet slash animatronic bear that they used in the scene. Because yes. even in the same shot, there will be like an animatronic bear in the background that looks so fake. But then in the foreground, it's a real bear kind of moving around. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they're in here with, with this mixture of, you know, over there. Okay, they... They and here and in are all very generous terms. I mean, it's it's a lot of green screen and body doubles. But the bears all wind up being awakened, and they all start standing up on their hind legs and roaring. And I'm just thinking, poor Landon right now. How, I don't even know. Uh, so they're completely surrounded by these bears. Again, I don't understand how. And uh, then JTT, out of nowhere, this is me becoming the Joker, everybody. Get ready. JTT starts singing the song that their dad would sing while he's working on his plane. And then the other two, and and as soon as he starts singing it, the bears all kind of start to quiet down a little bit, and the other two brothers start singing as well. And 
JTT <laughs> referred to the song as a lullaby like an hour ago. And I guess I, I missed that part entirely. It, it, well, you see, it works on. Yeah. Like it works on. Oh, boys. I guess they fell asleep listening works to on okay, bears. Okay. Yeah. Like this right. is just the thing it, okay. that put. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's. It's not a very strong connection, nor is it particularly good, but that is that is the position the movie takes. So they're all singing it, this song about that good old Mountain Dew, and they, they sing the song, and as they're singing it, the bears are all calming down and lying back down and going back into hibernation, and they this finish... This is how bears work, guys. Dude, if you, listeners, if you experience a bear in the wild, follow the actual survival techniques that are taught about these sorts of situations, do not start singing to it. No, 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 no. But I don't know, maybe sing this song. I mean, it is based on a true story. This did happen, and it worked. But so they, <laughs> as they finish the song, they they uh, finish it the same way their dad does, where they go, he's sipping on his good old Mountain Dew. And they all three of them fart at the same time. They all, all three choreographed lift their leg. <laughs> so now, folks, I said earlier that I thought that the fart was just... ADR'd in from a studio note and so this happens and I think wait but did did they maybe that they maybe they ADR'd it in here as well like I really was holding fast to this idea that the farts were added in post-production and so I would have just let it go and just been like oh it's a stupid goof <laughs> but I had to go back and see well wait like how did they shoot it like is there a case to be made that they looped in the fart noise afterwards so I try to rewind and my that makes my Apple TV or my my Roku crash. So I have to restart Roku. I have to go back into Amazon Prime, and then it didn't save my place in the movie. So I have to fast forward through the whole movie to get back to this spot. So oh, I God. So yeah, I mean, it, it was like five minutes, whatever. And this gives me a chance to kind of reflect on everything we've gone through in the movie. And I realized as I'm watching this that. The movie could end right then. Like, it, the, there's half an hour of movie left, which is a travesty, but the movie could have ended then because their goal is to find the bear cave and film the bears. They have found the bear cave. They have gotten into the cave. They've defeated the trials of the cave. They've filmed the bears. The bears reacted to them, but then using knowledge imbued in them since childhood by their father, real fucking Joseph Campbell, like, hero with a thousand faces character arc stuff, they defeated the final challenge of the bear the movie logically could have just ended on them lifting their legs farting as they finish the song put their legs back down fade to black credits not not i i, <laughs> I like the idea good old martin mountain dew pfft, cut to black <laughs> as the credits start Dir rolling directed by william Deere, uh based on a true story and but so i i had like the five minutes of rewinding the movie to reflect on this and i started i laughed harder thinking about the prospect of the movie ending 75 minutes in on a fart then I, I have not laughed that hard since the beginning of the pandemic. Like, I was crying. I was howling and cackling like the mountain man. This, I became the Joker. I, I just, I don't think. And so then, and then it got to the point, like, I was just sitting there paused on that scene, laughing and laughing. And I realized, I don't want to keep watching the movie. I want it for me to end here. I don't care what happens to the boys next. They've won. I, I have to ask a question about your sanity here. Do yes. you think that this is like a jar of pickles where somebody's trying to open it and they can't and then hand it to you and then you open it because they loosened it for you? Do you think Jungle to Jungle loosened your sanity so that you could lose it in this moment? Probably so. Yes, probably. <laughs> uh, probably so. Like I was able to keep it together through all of those animal murders and blow dartings, but then this this really did it for me. Um <laughs> 
Okay, so what 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 really happens after this fart? So a- after 15 minutes, I finally wiped away my tears and composed myself and reluctantly continued watching the movie. At this point, Guano, Bat Guano from the ceiling, uh, lands on one of their lights and the light explodes and all the bears wake up again and we're right back to where we started so as though the song accomplished nothing my notes here are just sing the song again sing it a song (laughs) fart one more time um yeah so but the bears are all screaming at them and the brothers film it and then uh there's a whole lot of business of like the bear paws the camera away and the terrifying bear content flying yeah uh jtt are flying around jtt distracts the bears by blowing on the bear call the two brothers escape out one way jtt tells them i've got a way out you guys escape so they run out there was a moment where i'm like this is definitely the post jurassic park america because devin sawa is like he's got the flashlight at one point and he's waving it in the bear's face and then he throws it like jeff goblin throws the the uh flare yeah for the t-rex and it's just like do you think that was gonna work the bears, bears saw Jurassic shit about light. Yeah, they, no bears only respond to movement. You have to stand completely still. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so he tells his brothers to run, and he's got a way out. And I'm thinking, okay, the brothers will then show their their love for their younger brother by being like, no, we don't leave until we can all get out. No, they turn tail and run, abandoning <laughs> their youngest get the fuck immediately. Out of it. Hey, listen, I I don't blame them. <laughs> no, I I don't either. This is scary. Uh, it's it's worth noting. There are multiple points in this movie where I would have just been like, nope, I'm out. I'm out. I'm sorry, guy. Like, you and I went on a camping trip with a bunch of people once, and uh, when me and Kirstie were walking back to the campsite, I slipped. Yeah. <laughs> just, I didn't hurt myself at all, but I slipped, and, like, my foot went into the water, and my phone cracked. And I'm uh. like, okay, that, that's it for me on this trip, folks. I don't think I said much after that. America got a little too wild for you in that moment, and I'm it I'm did, sorry. What, what ends up happening, okay, the two brothers, they leave, right, and... Thus begins, like, everything leading up to this moment was nightmare fuel for me. I was sweating. I was, I had the cold shakes. I just, I could, I think I had paused it at least 30 times. Just like, okay, if I just slightly, I, I fast forwarded it through the whole thing just to kind of have a mental picture of what to expect. And then I put it back. I, I did so much mental preparation to get through this scene. But what is about to happen combines my two greatest nightmares into one and i i could not handle what jtt goes through here this is pretty scary where jtt is like he's scrambling up he finds a little hole that leads towards some light and he's you know scrambling up it going for the light and there is this terrifying bear coming right after him and he's crawling as fast as he can and he gets he's, to he's in a a tight tight spot in it like I, I, the movie The Descent, the mm-hmm. horror movie The Descent, is a great movie. I cannot watch it. Yeah. And I can't watch it for the horror part. I mean, I can, I'd like to watch it for the horror part, but the non horror part is the reason I can't watch it. Watching people in tight spaces trying to claw, crawl through a cave is just, I can't deal with it. I cannot deal with it. And you add a bear swiping its massive paw and growling at you at the same time is just like a big bag of nope. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and then the fact that he gets to the light and, oh, it's like a sheet of ice is frozen over the hole, so he's trapped. It's like a window and he has to try and break through it as this bear is coming at him. It's, I was, I was frightened by this too. I don't even have a thing with bears. This is just a scary scene. So anyway, he's finally able to kick out the pane of ice and he climbs out 
and he's then standing up on the hill above where his brothers are, and he's holding the camera, he's cheering triumphant, and then... They all got it, yeah. Like, jump scare out of nowhere, last scene of Carrie or whatever, the bear paw just comes out of the hole and swipes at his leg, and JTT goes tumbling down the hill to his brothers. I was not expecting that. That is, like, nope. like just holy <laughs> shit. That's it. Then they're, they're, they celebrate for half a second. Cut to the drive home. <laughs> yep, the the brothers are both passed out. By the way, I should point out, one of the brothers, remember how he broke his leg? When that happened, I thought, like, oh, this will serve some greater plot point of, like, that brother's not able to go into the cave, so I have to take JTT or something. No, the the broken leg didn't. It has nothing to do with the movie. It was literally just a In scene. In fact, I, th- I think the movie forgot he had a broken leg during that whole cave scene. I, I definitely did. It does not inhibit him running away at all. Um, no. And, and also, it's a big slam on the bears that they weren't able to kill an injured human. Come on. Uh... <laughs> So, anyway, the two brothers are both asleep, and JTT is driving the car home, and, uh, you know, at last the brothers are, you know, now they finally respect him. All he had to do was almost die after they abandoned him. Um, but <laughs> but so, he starts fantasizing while he's driving home, and, uh, thinking that it's a plane. Let me And let me just say, I, I, I know that we need to speed up here, but I will say that he, um, that you're a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, whatever, driving a car, and you're like, this isn't exciting enough for me, I need to fantasize about driving something else. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, it's just like, this is not exciting enough for you, JTT, driving a car, earning the Wait. respect of your brothers? He set it up at the beginning of the movie, he said his character introduction, me, I'm a dreamer. True. You're right. The movie's so called Wild he America. He starts daydreaming. Yeah. If you've been on a road trip, your your mind starts wandering, and his mind starts wandering to the skies. Yep. And so does the truck, because it turns into a plane. Remember planes? <laughs> Remember how that was a thing like an hour ago? Well, folks, <laughs> guess what? It's back, because we have he to find lost. to fill the last half of the movie. He gets lost in his fantasy and then starts swerving all over the road, <laughs> runs into a couple mailboxes, a uh, sign, and puts the truck out of commission. The brothers hate him again. Uh, but guess what? This happens three miles outside of their hometown, and they're able to call their dad to tow them back uh, to the farm. Yep. And, uh, okay, let's get this epilogue, which is a half hour long, so oh. let's just skip through it yep. pretty quickly here. So let's see. <laughs> JTT gets home. He finds that his bird, remember that bird, that owl that he loved so much? Well, it's missing. Oh, yeah. We forgot to mention the few times in this movie where he sees an owl, <laughs> and the key point of, like, uh oh okay. n- never it doesn't matter it's coming up yeah so he his owl yeah, his is gone bird, his bird was healthy enough to fly away yep yep and and so then he goes out looking around the house anyway for it and because mm-hmm. it's like she flew away dude she's not gonna be hanging out two feet away from the window <laughs> uh yeah and then well he's, he's a dreamer yeah he's he, yes and in this case his dream is that his owl would go free and just sit like right outside his window just it wants to be free to go to a different room so he while looking like in you know looking around in the garage he sees that the plane is finished at last and yeah. so while sitting in the plane which is his best spot for voyeurism jtt overhears his <laughs> older brother mouthing off to his dad you know who tells him well if you're too good to you know, work for me here at my mechanics business then you're you know you're yeah. too good for this house and etc again this this domestic melodrama playing out just you know like we just saw we just saw the most ridiculous we saw Danny Glover. Yeah. They met a ghost. And all of a sudden all of a sudden we're back to you know this I did the best I knew I could I did the best for you boys that I knew how to do. Yeah. Like how dare you talk to me like this? You're going to stay here. You're going to work for the It's just like we're we're past this. We we just saw a car turn into a plane. 
Yeah, we Dude. just we just saw a, a bear chase a boy up a narrow canyon and almost maul him. Uh, <laughs> JTT interrupts this fight to ask his dad if he's ever flown a plane, and yeah. there's this big challenge kind of between them about whether their dad was lying to them or not. From this, we go to the next day where they find out from their mom that the film is going to be developed soon, and, and she's rented out the school gym to show their movie and made posters charging $1 for admission to it's come watch the movie. very sweet. It's this, a, this got me a little bit. It was yeah. just like, oh my god, they they're proud and they want to support them. Like, yeah. oh, I'm into that. Yeah, that, I mean, no, that is that is pretty that is pretty sweet. I, yeah, for a second I was like, wait, I thought you were gonna sell the footage. Was your plan to just like do do <laughs> a slightly more advanced version of the little screenings you used to do? But whatever. <laughs> uh, but then they they lament to their mom that well, our movie, which as they've titled Wild America, is just a bunch of co- clips, not a cohesive whole, and like yeah. it's not long enough to be a movie. And it's like, wow, this. Seems Seems like it's reflective of the actual troubles that this movie went through to get made. <laughs> a little bit. But this is like this is where it's so ham-fisted because there's this whole thing going on that doesn't play out well that could have been played out through the whole movie of like when you know you go through this whole thing and you feel like your parents aren't supportive and then you lose faith in what you're doing and you're like, well, I'm just not gonna fucking do it anyway, it's no any good. Like, there's that whole like very deep psychological thing that's trying to play out here, but there's just not room for it now. The movie didn't have to be an hour and 45 minutes long. If they had just focused in and made a good 95 minute movie, that could have yeah. just been a movie about them making their movie and then trying to screen it in town. <sighs> Anyway, whatever. So, so we're we're on this fertile plot point. There's uh, their dad gets into a awful truck crash with with <laughs> just like JTT going into the river. There's like all it goes. It cuts from one scene to JTT finding a note on the fridge, and it's just like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> a, a big plot point where it's going to take us through the rest of this movie that his dad was in a car accident and we don't see it. Yeah, what's going on here? Poochie died on his way back to his home planet. It's it's very. Uh, <laughs> Again, a movie made in the editing room. So dad is laid up in the hospital. We're there at the hospital where he's telling his wife, you know, oh, well, there's these rods hidden away in this spot. You can sell them to this person for this amount. And there's these lug nuts over here and explains, I I saved parts, not cash, which I'm going to say in the smaller movie that I would have rather watched about this family. That's kind of a cool idea that the dad rather than saving money, has just squirreled away valuable tools and and pieces that he knows he can <laughs> sell at certain value. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. W- but they take it for granted here, as if we know that that's, you know, what what the conversion of that's going to be uh, emotionally and financially. But yeah, yeah. It is what it is. And- uh, he holds Marty back before, uh, you know, the family files out, and he says, Marty, you got to take care of them now. And so it puts the responsibility of the business on Marty's shoulders, conflicting with his dream to finish this film and continue his own dream. Yep. And, yeah, so they're... He's, he's lam- I'm going to use your word, Truman. Yeah. He's lamenting about this uh, the next day as yeah. the whole family nice. is cleaned in carburetors. Yeah. Uh, and his mom... Frances Fisher, again, great actress. I really, she, I dig her. Yeah. Um, as as Marty's going off about, you know, the stupid film, it's not even a full thing, it's just clips. His mom just, like, throws a carburetor at him. He's like, this is difficult for me, too. And, like, really plays this part of, like, I fucking sacrificed and stuck up, stood up for you and supported you, and now you're just throwing it all away. Like, go fuck yourself, man. We're all having problems. You think you're... You've got to go out and have an adventure, and now you're just shitting all over it for everything that 
we have all sacrificed for you to go do that. Just because you went skinny dipping with hippies and met ghost Danny Glover doesn't mean you get to come back to my house and mouth off about my lifestyle. Uh, Good for her. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I appreciated that. And yeah. so, and then JT, JTT goes into a like expert level reverse psychology soliloquy. He's like, you're right, Marty. It was all just a stupid thing that we did. That is, you know, that footage, eh, it's out of focus. It's probably worthless. We're, you know, and it's like Marty's re- response is like, what? No, fuck you. What we did was awesome. We know more than carburetors. We know nature. We know films. And he goes off like rekindled with his mission. And JTT kind of smirks to himself and goes like, yeah, I'm all right. I, I did my job here. Yeah, exactly. Like now it's, you know, there had been some thought that he wasn't going to come and see the premiere of the movie, but now they know he's going to be there. And <laughs> so then that night, guys, oh, Jesus Christ, guys, that night, JTT is looking out the window. He thinks he sees his bird. So he does the logical thing and goes and takes the airplane out of the hangar and he goes, knows what he has to do. Yep, uh, the most logical thing. Again, I, I this is this is why the movie is fucking entrapment. This is why I get it mixed up with Fly Away Home. I mean, he literally <laughs> flies away from home. Uh, we had the conflict con climax of this movie already yes and they're building to a second climax that has no emotional thrust through it at all outside of just the you know prologue to this whole thing you you said climax and thrust in the same sentence land and i just i yes i did (laughs) that this america is getting very wild uh but yeah i i don't know why like and also so okay he pulls the airplane out he starts he starts up the hot rod i mean airplane and takes off in it (laughs) And is my, flying my around. My note here was just tinker, tinker, tinker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not even, they didn't even have the budget for a tailor or a soldier or a spy. Uh, <laughs> but it, they had a budget for a tailor, sir. Yeah. Okay. Fair. At least one of them. It is the tailor that's tinkering. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're right. And their dad <laughs> used to be a soldier and JTT often spies on people from the plane. So hey, there you go. All right. Eat your heart out, Gary Oldman. Uh, now who's you burnt? <laughs> it, it, tr- it truly <laughs> is me. After this, I'm going to go watch Burn Notice, I guess. Um, but, okay, so he's he takes the plane out and is taking off, and the whole family sees him doing it because it's dawn now, and they freak out, and uh, Kroger Forrest Gump chases along behind the plane and jumps into the, into the back seat. He, he Tom Cruises, for sure. Yes. Oh, yeah, he's dangling off the side of it. Did his own stunts. I, I have to say, again, like, is this... Utterly superfluous, yes. But it's also interesting, this is a totally superfluous scene that was doubtless one of the most expensive scenes in the movie. Yes, Like, yes. they spent so much money to shoot this scene that everyone agreed. Every review I read was like, why is there all this airplane shit? The movie is too long. <laughs> like, it, it, you just, you don't get that anymore. Now Hollywood is so money conscious. Like, they either spend yeah. all their movie on a, sh- all their movie on a shitty money. That's what I wanted to say. Like, or, or <laughs> they. Not, not far off, though. Either way, I mean, it's just rare to see something where it's like, no, we specifically spent a lot to add this thing that means nothing at all. But so they, they're going up in the, and Gump is saying to him, what are you doing? He says, flying. <laughs> okay. And it's a lot of screaming, a lot of hooping and hollering. Mom and the brothers are chasing them along in the car on the ground as he's flying through the air. Is he looking for Watching his him with binoculars. bird? What are you doing? At one point, it's like, you know, he loses one of the... the He's got blocks on the pedals so his feet can reach them, but one of them falls yeah. off, so he has to reach down to put it back on, and the boys are watching from the car going like, ha ah, ha, Leon's screaming, ah ha 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 And then 
the the whole thrust of this what what is not communicated very well is that his plan is to fly this plane by dad's hospital to prove to his dad that hey you're a fucking liar i can do the things that i set my mind to and exceed what you've been able to accomplish in your life you can't hold us back and i'm going to prove it to you by showing you by you know basically crop dusting your window <laughs> <laughs> and that's a pretty uh that's a pretty heavy that's a tall order for one uh one airplane stunt like that's a complex thing <laughs> to uh, convey to somebody uh but so he yeah so uh, uh, so he flies to the hospital he fly and and his dad hears the sound of the engine and his dad who by the way is laid up in a hospital bed smoking a cigar swag um but he recognizes <laughs> the sound of the airplane oh that's not just any airplane that's clearly my son trying to prove a point so he Pulls himself out of his hospital bed, disconnects from his IVs, and stumbles over to the window to watch his son flying over the hospital. And I'm like, this is yep. not good for his recovery. This is a net negative. <laughs> and so the bros and mom are outside watching JTT flying around, and they're saying, he's talking to dad. And one of them goes, no, he's talking to all of us. And it's like, could you, what is he saying? Could you translate? The audience doesn't know what he's saying. Why is this here? At some point, he sees a bird. I mean, he sees his owl. Do you want to mention that? Yeah, his owl. Yeah, his owl is as he's flying away from the hospital. He sees his owl flying up next to him. Is it an owl or is it a hallucination? I, I don't even know. Well, it, what comes next is a hallucination because he looks in the back seat and now it's his dad, not Forrest Gump, <laughs> as like an ace fighter pilot with like a white <laughs> scarf. All of his dreams coming true. And I, that seems very weird until you remember that Danny Glover was in two scenes of this as a magical black Davy Crockett. So it's like, <laughs> I, I guess anything goes. Um, so many of my notes here are just like, why is this plain stuff in the movie? Um, yeah. And so then JTT, a child who's never flown a plane before, uh, flawlessly lands in a cornfield no sweat, back at first the farm. try, back danger at the zone. Farm. Yeah, back back at the farm. He flies home. He then angles straight into the hangar and then very nearly hits a bunch of fuel tanks until he hits the brakes <laughs> at the last moment. Uh, and mom comes running over. She is pissed. Yep. And uh, <laughs> um, he just, you know, she says, y'all just thought you'd take her out for a spin, huh? Why? And... This is like this is this is so '90s script writing. It's just like this child fantasy uh, dialogue where it's like that mom would smack the shit out of him in 1967. Like I don't know wh what kind of fantasy world this is living in. His response to this isn't sorry or you know to to kind of cower in fear of what she's gonna do. He just looks her deadpan in the eye and says, "I had to." <laughs> and listen, that response. I'm a, you know, look, my parents didn't hit me growing up. I don't think it's right to hit people. If my son did that and his response was just a cryptic, I had to, like, I wanted to slap JTT in that moment. Like, <laughs> fuck you. And not even, not even for the defiance of him saying it, but like, wh what was all of this doing? You were supposed to be a nature photographer. Why did you do any of this? Could we not just go and watch the movie you shot? Although I, I, there is something so ludicrous about the had to that makes me want to use that moving forward in my life. What? Just do something ludicrous and someone says, why would you do that? I would just look at them dead, just dead ass in the eye and go, I had to. I had to. Yeah, I mean, no one can probably, no one can really argue with that. I mean, I guess he had to. Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, yeah. We go to the hospital. Um, JTT is you know about to go talk to his dad. Uh, says he wants to go in alone, and uh, we get some Papa talk. Dad yep. uh, says you got some explaining to do. And um, and JTT just like braces his dad. This twelve year old boy. Just kind of tells him, like, hey, I know you're lying about being a pilot, and I'll keep your secret so long as you cut my brothers loose and let them make their films. There's, I, I wrote down one line of dialogue here, because his logic in his argument just is like, what? He says, because uh, his dad starts laying into him, and he goes, Dad, you plan on growing old with us? Because I doubt this family's going to stay together if you don't start letting us each be who we need to be. And it's just like, whoa, dude, are you threatening your dad's life? Yeah. Do you want to grow old with us, dad? <laughs> Let me do what I want to fucking want to do. Otherwise, tap baseball bat into hand ominously. <laughs> you know, I can, these these life support machines sure do look fragile. Sure would be a shame if one of them got <laughs> unplugged or something. Why, the only way that could happen uh, is if someone flew over in an airplane and parachuted down. <laughs> I've, I've, I have farted at a bear, Dad. You don't scare me anymore. Uh, I mean, I guess there is some truth to that. If that is uh, what really happened in this story, I, I, but yeah, he starts. Yeah, no, I just would say I think that this big monologue from JTT and the plane stuff maybe it got added because after principal photography, JTT started to blow up, and then they were like, let's just find more reasons for JTT to do stuff. Like he was a supporting player originally, and then they just shot more scenes to try and make him a lead. I don't know. Uh, he was bigger before this. I mean, this is 97. Lion okay. King was in 94. Jesus, I guess you're right. I, uh, okay. Anyway. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it, I'll tell you what the, the more realistic scenario is, is that they had a script and realized that JTT was too young to play any of the other brothers, and so they rewrote the script from his perspective and ham-fisted these scenes in there. Based on a true story. Uh, yeah, so anyway, JTT then hugs his dad. I guess his stern authoritarian dad totally likes being uh, uh, challenged this way. And yeah. Well, they go. They bring back the white lie thing once he asks if he was a pilot, and you know, then, yeah. yeah. So, echoes. Echoes by pink floyd so they and then we go from that to the screening yay the screening the thing the whole movie should have been about um <laughs> the gymnasium and it um they have the projector set up everyone's in the gym and then they the movie just... <laughs> the movie pulls out a sitcom moment yep and shows us a clip show <laughs> it, they are it is just them showing scenes of the things that they have been filming, and mind you, it's not even really treated to look like it's 16mm film. It is legit. They are taking shots that we have They're seen. <laughs> scenes from the movie and showing it to us. And I'm going to tap the sign, and the sign, that, that the cross-stitched sign that I live my life by. <laughs> when a movie starts showing you other parts of itself, that's when you know you're in trouble. Mike Nelson, Mystery Science <laughs> Theater 3000, Season 7, Episode 6, Laser Blast. The truest term. <laughs> they, they, even the, we're in the last 10 minutes of the movie, and they were like, we gotta pad it more. Show them the movie. Show them the movie. And so it's just shots of people back home reacting to, like, the nude beach shot. This like, is... Oh my god, the audience reactions here are just insane. Uh it's it's central casting for this audience to a T. Yes. It's like ooh. Ah. <laughs> oh. Um 
And like also when these scenes are playing, like when they're showing the nude beach scene, they had Bend Me, yeah. Shake Me playing in the background of that scene. For this, when they're showing the clip of it, there's like a weird little instrumental version of it. Like, hey, guys, remember that scene that we saw that you're seeing right now? Remember the music that played for it? Yeah, so uh, it's just a whole bunch of shots that we've seen earlier with um, there's, there's extras. One moment here that, yeah. There's one moment here that JTT calls out, or that I want to call it, that I thought was like, you know, they weren't, they they noticed the like, they couldn't inflate their own importance too much, because JTT just goes, yeah, some people liked it, and some people didn't, and some people didn't care much at all, and they're showing, you know, somebody liking it. Somebody, they show DC who's like shitting on it the entire time. And then they show just like this old couple who is fast asleep. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good. At least you don't think you're you're more important than you are. Like you, you're able to show that this is an audience of maybe 30 people. And the reaction is just across the board. It's just everyone has a different uh, different experience with it. I, 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 do, I do love that this movie, that Wild America used its last 10 minutes to kind of just predict how audiences would react to the movie Wild America. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Because the movie they're showing them, by the way, is called Wild America. So it is, this is, they're right. showing a test screening at the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so there's one, there's one shot of the bear footage and in the background, I, I heard somebody going, oh no, oh no. And so I, I, I figured that was the local Landon uh, at the theater. You should have warned me this was going to be in here. <laughs> oh my God. Um, uh, the lights come up. The movie's over. Uh, everyone applauds. One dude boos. Who the fuck is he? <laughs> Leon punches him in the face. Yep. <laughs> my name's Diet Forest. DC makes a joke, and uh, someone starts a slow clap. Who and is we it? Pan up the, who, we pan up the hands. We see the bandage. Could it be? Could it possibly be? Has he escaped from the hospital? Yes, he did. It's Dad. <laughs> yep. And then... Daddy starts a slow clap. And then everyone in town starts clapping, too, because they didn't they, they weren't moved enough by the footage these boys risked their lives to take. They had to wait for the approval of this one guy. <laughs> like the rest of the town was like, you know what? I was I could have gone either way. But now that this guy likes it, it's the best movie I've ever seen. Uh, and uh, Marty goes to the back to see his dad, uh, Marty Jr. and Jr. Sr., dad senior whatever they're both named marty yeah uh and his dad says he's proud of him dc comes over he's like that sucked man i want my money back we spent good money on this shit and you just showed us that fuck off and uh his dad's like hey i thought it was pretty good i thought you got a lot for your money but i'll tell you what i'm gonna give you your money back (laughs) and he just dishes a five dollar bill out and gives it to dc and i'm like Okay, so one I, guy boos, and you punch him in the face. Another guy says he wants his money back, and you just completely acquiesce. I, I really wish that I really wish that instead he had like said, okay, I'll give you your money back, and he just hands him a fuel compressor or something from his pocket. It's like, that's worth about, <laughs> that's worth about $5. You want to sell that to Buck Cleveland uh, down, at the, down at the seed feed. <laughs> so, uh, oh, the, that's so funny. The college girls come up, and now they're impressed. Like, before, these guys yeah. were reckless ne'er-do-wells who endangered their and their brothers' lives. But now that they've filmed themselves recklessly endangering their and their brothers' lives, now they're cool intellectuals. Yeah. Uh, and, and then so we, we get a final moment between there, the three brothers as everyone kind of tapers off. There's one, there, one quick thing. There's this yeah. shot of, like, J, we see G, JTT on screen, and we hear... 
here's somebody going like, Marshall! And then we get a cutaway of these three little girls (laughs) in unison go, can we have your autograph? And like gushing over him. And then just cut back to the same shot of JTT laughing. And then we don't, we just cut away from that. We don't see any more. I'm sure that that is definitely second unit post-production. Hey, let's have a little riff on how famous JTT is and how all the girls love him. For sure. Um, And and then uh, everyone kind of tapers off and we get the final moment between the three boys. And they're like, hey, you know what? This is more successful than we thought. I think uh, the footage is good. We just need, you know, a little more, a few more scenes. We might be able to sell this and turn this into something. Yeah, you're right. You know, and maybe we can even get Robert Redford to do the voiceover narration for it. <laughs> okay, very specific ask, but fine. Uh, and, and I want to. I, I have a big point of order here. Uh, Truman, I, we can't. We can't end this movie with this I, I erroneous ha- note. Yes, of course. I, I have one point of order as well, but you do yours first. Okay. It's 1967. You're making a joke about Rodford. Rod, they want to get someone famous to do the narration like Robert Redford. Great. I get it's an in-joke because Robert Redford ended up doing the narration 10 years later yeah. for the actual <laughs> uh, footage of this. But in 1967, Robert Redford's career consisted mo- mostly of guest appearances on TV shows like The Twilight Zone and Dr. Kildare. In, it wasn't until 1967 that he even appeared in The Chase with Brando and Barefoot in the Park with Jane Fonda. There's no way that he is a famous enough person for them to reference for wanting to get uh, to be the narrator for a nature movie. Butch and Sundance didn't even come out until 1969, two years after the events in this movie. So you burnt Wild yeah, America. Uh, counterpoint, Landon. Based on a true story, he said it. They must have been fans of those Twilight Zone episodes he was in and thought, what a nice voice this man has. Um, no, that's a very good point. And, I, it is, and thank you for pointing out the fact, like, the, the, what we find out in the last scene as text shows up on camera is that, oh, yes, their footage uh, eventually was aired on TV 10 years later. So it's like, it took these guys 10 years to get paid. Uh, there's a whole other movie about, <laughs> like, did the college girls stick around for like 10 years of them on the phone with like ABC trying to negotiate contracts? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, just w- w- the last line from from uh, Kroger Forrest Gump as they're leaving the auditorium, as he says, I need a vacation. And it's like, you just, what? what? You just watched a movie. Like you've just been hanging around the house you rode around in a plane, which admittedly was kind of stressful. You watched a movie and you clapped and you punched a guy. What do you need a vacation from? You have had the mellowest experience of any character in the movie. We don't know. We don't know what his movie was. I guess. In the, the background of this movie. I mean, uh, we weren't on the farm. We don't know the trials. Maybe he was like fighting off, you know, uh, imposing gangs. Maybe he had like an assault on Precinct 13 situation, some sort of siege narrative going on on the farm while everyone was gone. Shit, you're right, man. You're right. I, I, there's, yeah. Again, the smaller movie that I would have rather seen, Assault on Precinct, their farm. <laughs> <sighs> um, text crawl lets everyone know okay Marty Sr. and mom dad and mom went to Hawaii finally and uh, footage aired everyone did did their things got their dreams uh, then we get some b-roll of um, animals yep farting around well I mean we've literally seen some farting around <laughs> <sighs> and, is there anything uh, Truman that we didn't cover that you want to uh, no, no, I think, I think everything's been covered. I think that we covered, smothered, and chunked it. <laughs> chunked it? 
Yeah, like <laughs> you, well, like at, at at hash browns, you know, uh, at at Waffle House, smothered, covered, what? chunked. Oh, okay. I'm not I, familiar with watch, I, Waffle House. I, I, I've oh. become the Joker, Landon. This movie broke me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Remind me not to shake your hand uh, for fear of being electrocuted. Um, well, there you go. Okay. Then let's end this episode. Uh, just a few post-sample things as we head into our super spectacular. want to mention the People's Choice MVP. I think uh, when this episode airs, um, you only have a few more minutes left uh, on Twitter to go vote for. Uh, who you think the MVP of Home Improvement Season 6 has been. Hurry, yes, do it. Truman now, and I go, go, go. De- <laughs> you, Truman and I debate this uh, for ourselves um, to uh, for Gruntwork to decide who the people, or for who the MVP we think is, but it pales into comparison to the importance of the People's Choice MVP. So get out there, vote for your favorite uh, cast member, let us know, and we will reveal the results on our Super Spectacular. Um, also, on our Super Spectacular, we will be covering uh, a segment based on uh, the good and the bad takeaways of home improvement. We have a certain perspective on the show week after week, year after year that we cover, and I think it's time to take stock and look at what's uh, what's been good about home improvement, what's been bad about home improvement. Um, and we want you uh, to give us a different perspective on this by writing in and letting us know. Uh, send us an email to info at gruntworkpodcast.com. Visit our website and fill out the contact form. Hit us up on Twitter, however you want to get a hold of us. We want your perspective on the show and not just ours that we recite week after week after week after week. That's important to us. Uh, and we're going to cover all of this, every single bit of what we've talked about in our super spectacular, which is going to be live this year. Live. That's <laughs> thanks, Don Pardo. Yeah, live uh, the, from the two ghost, different locations. The ghost of Don Pardo. Are you hanging out with Danny Glover? Uh, hey, yes. <laughs> are you, are, you, just, are you saying hi to me, Don Pardo? <laughs> yeah. Hey, how you doing? Um, hey. You can watch us record this live, this special episode live, history in the making, that you can watch live on our Discord, uh, which you can find the link to on our Twitter, in our newsletter, or on our website. Um, Join in that discussion. The live episode is going to be airing, uh, or recording, I should say, uh, October 3rd, uh, 12 o'clock Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern time. So join us for that and I don't have anything else for this episode, so let's end it. What yeah. do you say? Let's let's end it. Unless unless we want to spend another half hour flying a plane around for no goddamn no. reason. No. No. No more planes. Bad for both of us. Grunt work. Grunt work is made possible by our patrons. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create the show, consider becoming official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, where you can also, for as little as a dollar, get access to our entire archive of Gruntwork Nights episodes, Ooh. which is a completely separate podcast to the main show. So... Uh, you can also help us by leaving a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts because it's the fastest, freest way to support the show, and it goes a long way to helping new people discover it. Um, stop by to say hi to us on Twitter or Instagram at GruntworkPod, or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com, y'all, where you can find other information on today's episode and sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. And until next week, when we bring you another bonus episode of Grunt Work, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, oh, they call it that good old Mountain Dew. And them that refuse it are few. I'll hush up my mug if you'll fill up my jug. 
with that good old Mountain Dew. Come on, baby, shake all night long. Shake till the beat of the ball for the ball of a wow. Ooh, yeah, I'm a wow. I'm gonna keep a shaking, gonna keep a moving, baby. Don't you grab my stock and I'm a rewatcher.